Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Brooks Childress and Cam Berry with me as we preview the weekend ahead in college football. We'll talk a lot about Auburn and New Mexico State coming up in just about 24 hours exactly from now uh, as we'll get going with, uh, with that. We'll also talk some college football. There are other big games to discuss in the world of college football, even though it is usually a slower week in the Southeastern Conference, and that is true for the most part. There is one ranked matchup. There are are also a couple other games of note to talk about, so we'll get through those uh, in the first uh, first, uh, or in this edition of the show. Also coming up uh, in just a couple minutes, we will – Talk about Auburn basketball after a very successful night in Brooklyn, New York. Auburn winning, not only covering the spread, but kind of demolishing the spread, winning by 24 points last night. So we'll talk about our observations from that game and also preview the Auburn and St. Bonaventure game as Auburn tries to secure a non-conference tournament trophy here in the month of November. So we'll talk some Auburn basketball as well. And also we'd love to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 Also, one programming note for you. This is a Friday. This is not the – or this is the first Friday. We do not have live high school football on our airwaves as uh, the Borgard Hornets were eliminated by Gulf Shores last Friday. However, we turn the page, and we are on to high school basketball and Smith Station basketball in particular over on FM Talk 93.9. That broadcast starting just a few minutes before 5 o'clock. The uh, voice of the Smith Station Panthers, Brent Daughtry, will be on the call of that one. And so uh, Smith Station taking on Russell County, both uh, girls and boys basketball. So that you have looked forward to on FM Talk 93.9. Our first Borgard game will be coming up in a couple of weeks. Of course, that will usually affect the length of our program. So we'll make sure uh, that we always keep you up to date. On that, we'll also make an announcement a little bit later in this show about our programming for Sports Call for next week with Thanksgiving week. We'll make sure we keep you in the loop as to that. And, of course, uh, we'll keep you abreast of all the high school games coming up uh, on our airwaves in the coming days with basketball. Again, we'll be doing a lot of RC girls and boys basketball for Smith Station and Borgard and I want to remind you that uh, the next couple of weeks we still got the Alabama High School Athletic Association scoreboard show over on FM Talk 93.9 from 10 to midnight for the next three weeks. All right, so that's a, uh, a lot of the tidy work. We can get down to business now. Again, Ryan Brooks and Cam with you here 
on this Friday. We'll start with you, Cam. I hope you you are continuing to be well. We're getting closer to the holiday, uh, holiday season, excuse me, and uh, it's good to see you again, my friend. Yeah, yeah, doing doing great. It, getting close to the uh, holiday season, but it also feels like Holloway season. I was about to say that was yeah. almost a, uh, that was a Freudian slip there. Yeah, yeah um, uh, a great a great game last night for Auburn. Uh, Hayden Holloway, great game, shooting four for five from three. I obviously didn't get to watch too much as. Um, it's been stated multiple times. I have to be in bed pretty early. So uh, any late game that Auburn plays, I just will not be able to catch. But I did see some highlights and, and kind of got over and, and just read some things about the game and got the gist understanding of it. Aiden Holloway, fantastic game from him, uh, shooting especially and, and um, uh, I mean, facilitating as well. Five assists, 15 and five, a great game from him overall. Uh, and then. Yeah, you know, Janai Brooms doing his usual um, good good play and uh, his consistency and kind of being the anchor. Uh, a lot of the starters outside of Denver Jones, uh, in all of the starters outside of Denver, Denver Jones in double figures. So a uh, good scoring night. And then you got Trey Donaldson coming off the bench, another uh, a solid game from him as well, uh, 50% from three and, and uh, a good overall. And <laughs> another five assists. Wow. I mean, the uh, passing of the ball has been uh, fantastic for this Auburn team. Um being able to distribute it and and get the right make the right plays and and get the ball to the right people, um, and then the biggest number though I think honestly is the the shooting percentage from three forty five percent from three, uh, which is is much much improved uh, from just last season overall as a whole. Um, right now I think I read somewhere that Auburn's shooting percentage as a team uh, in average is like thirtieth in the country, uh, which is way higher than what it was last year if we recall correctly. Um, and so just uh, a great performance for a Notre Dame team that, um, you know, is is not fantastic, but still a power five opponent. And, and you have to respect that as well. And they're a young team also. So they've got some stuff that they've, they're they going to grow and figure out in the future. But a good win for the Auburn Tigers. And uh, you, you get St. Bonaventure for – uh, like you said, Ryan, a non-conference uh, trophy to begin the season, and uh, that, that feels like a really solid start if you can get the win tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into Notre Dame here in just a second. But I'm doing great. I, I'm glad you're doing well. Brooks, how are you on this Friday? I'm fantastic. Uh, I finished uh, the Loki season two last night ahead of all. Oh my basketball. gosh, you finished something before me. Yeah, I have Whoa. not even watched it. Yeah, I have not even watched. That's it. That's yeah. a first. That's a um, first. It uh, kind of spoiler alert, but also not miss minutes. Eh, not 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 a good not a good thing. What? Not a good thing. Okay. Um, all right. I'll, th- t- I'll keep that in mind. That that is all I will say. Uh, but it is uh, it was a phenomenal series. I'm fully caught up on Marvel stuff. Uh, it's been a long time uh, long time coming for me. Uh, but other than that, Auburn basketball. Great performance last night. You know, we, we talked about the, the spread going into it, 14 and a half. You, you talked about it a, a second ago, Ryan, uh, just blowing that out of the water as they, they were out there. There were some times where Auburn let Notre Dame get back in the game, but it, they, they didn't let them uh, get, you know, get too much momentum. They were able to, when Notre Dame made a couple runs, uh, Auburn was able to, to find their feet there and was able to to get back into in the swing of things, so that was good to see. Uh, and then, yeah, big uh, big matchup against St. Bonaventure tonight for a trophy. You know, it, it's it, it 
it, it's a trophy that you you just you you know you use and you say, hey, look what we have, the shiny thing that we have in our trophy case here. It it means it means something because you beat you know a couple uh, teams to get there, but you know at the ultimate goal at the end of the season, you're trying to get that you're you're trying to cut down the nets uh, in, in the NCAA tournament, and that's the big trophy that matters. Uh, but it, it's it. This is a, a. It would be a great accomplishment for this basketball team to go up there and win it. The second time they've ever played in it, uh, it would be the great, uh, great to win it in both times that they've played in the the Legends Classic. So that's going to be big tonight. A uh, big night of. Uh, you mentioned the high school basketball going on. Big night of high school football uh, around the area. Still, uh, some big uh, some teams are in action. I know uh, uh, folks listening to us in both Auburn and Phoenix City have a big game uh, down there tonight. Uh, it features a, a recruit that a lot of people, especially uh, in the Auburn sphere, have their eyes on nowadays. Uh, we'll see if uh, any we'll see if any notable uh, Auburn football uh, coaching staff are down there tonight. Um, I'll be going out to a, a football game tonight over toward Montgomery. Uh, to, I'll be going to the Pike Road game tonight, so that's going to be really really fun. And I uh, want to give a congratulations to both uh, both teams in our listening area, Chambers Academy. And Lee Scott Academy won some won their playoff titles uh, yesterday uh, in the AISA. So I want to shout out. Then want to shout out like you uh, you said it yesterday, Ryan. But shout out our uh, former associate here on the show, but still very good friend Austin Scott. Uh, his Lee Scott uh, Warriors getting that win last night. Uh, I want to congratulate also Springwood here in our listening area and Glenwood uh, for great seasons uh, so far. They're making it to those championship rounds. Uh, and and yeah, it's a, it was a big big night yesterday from the AISA, especially for our area. And hopefully, our area continues to have some good uh, uh, good uh, luck in a, in the high school action tonight. Uh, other than that, doing great. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers and get on with the program. Yes, sir. Again, uh, and we thank you, Brooks, too, for doing the uh, the high school coaches show throughout the season. Uh, we still got a couple more editions of that uh, to get through. Uh, in the coming weeks, and we had our first one outside, uh, or first one inside of the uh, studio last uh, or a couple of days ago, and I think that went very well. So we've been very plugged in with the high school playoffs. And again, if you're looking for those scores later tonight, the Alabama High School Athletic Association scoreboard show from 10 to midnight on FM Talk 93.9. All right, let's start things off again with reviewing Auburn basketball against Notre Dame from last night. Then we'll get into some heavy college football after that. The Tigers were decisive. They started strong. Janai Broom was active early. Then things kind of mellowed out. Notre Dame was hanging around uh, late in the first half, cut it to, to six points a couple of times, uh, and, and certainly uh, you know, got to a situation there where uh, for all the great work you did early, it just, again, kind of fizzled a little bit. But then Auburn came out with a bang in the second half. Uh, and they never looked back after that. The Tigers end up outscoring Notre Dame just in the second half, 44-26, to and they take home an 83-59 to victory. Uh, I know the guys have mentioned a little bit in the opening comments. Again, some of the themes that are continuing on, especially with individuals, uh, it just it looks impressive every time Aiden Hallway's out there. I mean, you, yeah. can, you can tell what he's got. Um, and, and already uh, he's making ridiculous threes. Uh, he's been efficient from three in the first three games, uh, and he's making some special plays. I thought it was very important to see Trey Donaldson have a, a quality game. I Ten agree. points, 
five assists, zero turnovers, four of six from the floor. If you get that on a nightly basis, you're going to be incredibly happy. I will again say, I will say it every single time throughout the year, I think that we're going to ultimately see a situation where both those guys are going to need to total more than 40 minutes, meaning that there needs to be some overlap. Now, in a game like this, you don't need it. Hopefully, you don't need it against St. Bonaventure. That's just something that, I, as I project throughout the season, you get into uh, some big non-conference games like the likes of USC, or uh, you get into conference play. I think it's going to be really hard. If, if, if you get that out of these two guys, uh, what was it, a combined 25 points, 10 assists, and two turnovers? That's if you get beautiful. that, yeah. Woo-hoo. If you get that, it's going to be A, hard to beat Auburn, but also B, hard to keep them to just contain to just a total of 40 minutes. So uh, those guys looking good, and uh, really the whole team looking good last night there against Notre Dame. Yeah, whole team looking absolutely fantastic. You're right, Ryan. If you can get that out of your two ball handlers, I, I mean, that's, that's an ideal start at the very least to uh, how this could be could be a very very good Auburn team uh the efficiency uh in shooting from three has just improved vastly um something that really can't be spoken enough considering last year's team was in what the 300s in terms of low uh, 30s percentage and 300s nationally I mean it's a it's a turnaround and, uh, and obviously it is still early in the season but still overall shooting that well uh, from from three is is just phenomenal for this team a big change so uh, and and being able to get this out of your guards is is very very key um, moving forward so I'm, I'm excited to see where this team can go uh, going up against St. Bonaventure you'll you'll see you know some more I would assume that Auburn is going to win this game but you'll be able to see um, uh, a little bit more of this guard play, and it's been really exciting. So um, we'll see, but uh, I'm, I'm very happy with how Auburn has started off the season. Yeah, you know, you, you look at this, you, you look at the performance last night. Uh, yesterday on the show we talked about, uh, I said that Janai Broom needed to have a big game, and he did. He had 15 points, six rebounds, uh, four assists on the night. And I, I also said that you needed to kind of contain Marcus Burton. Well, he was—he he still had 12 points, which was their third uh, third highest score on the team. But still, you know, he he didn't hit a three pointer. He was four of 20 yeah. from no, from field goal, yeah. and so they they were able to to do a good job. Um, you know, I've, you know, you you look at you know defensively, uh, the two big guys we talked about on the show yesterday, Burton and Booth. Did not uh, it, they were not the guy that gave Auburn any any uh, much trouble. It was in, uh, I'm not going to tr- try to pronounce the name uh, J R Kinesi Kinesi. Sure, that's 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 a name. Yeah. 18 points. He came off the bench, and so uh, when, when you can have you know if you can contain the two big guys, and I know that Notre Dame was not you know Auburn Auburn controlled this game for the most part, but when you can control the two guys that uh, when when you look on paper that said that these two are the guys you've you've got to uh, to worry about, and you can contain them fairly well, that's a good uh, that's a that's a good defensive performance there. Um, other than that, you know you you look at the you know uh, I think a big thing we always try to talk about. Uh, with these Bruce Pearl teams is the three pointer uh, three pointers nine of twenty last night uh, and you know you you look at the 
it, you look at uh, everybody's spread throughout. It wasn't like uh, you know guys were just you know shooting them left and right. Uh, you know Jalen Williams was one for three. Uh, Jani Broom was one of two. Chris Moore hit his only one that he shot. Uh, Aiden Holloway four or five. Everybody else uh, was you know you, you took two and then you know it, they didn't hit them. Uh, Denver Jones, Katie Johnson, Chad Baker Mazar only attempted one, uh, and then Trey Donaldson was two of four. It wasn't like you were you know there, it, it wasn't like you were got you had guys out there that continued to try to to throw up threes and were just kept missing. You missed a couple and then they kind of went away from it uh, from from them uh, shooting threes, but. Other than that, it was a it was a, a solid offensive performance. Um, it was, you know, it it still went to uh, and it, it this you know this kind of lended itself to how the game flowed. But you know, we talked about yesterday getting more some more minutes for uh, you know not having the more uh, sharing of the minutes here. Uh, Janai Broom only only played for 19 minutes. It, it kind of was how the game flowed. You still had uh, a Dylan Cardwell out there for a, a good 15 minutes of the basketball game, and so you know when, once you get into some of these more competitive games and more you know bigger games again, just going back to what we said yesterday is you'd like to see uh, those starters and in your key you know your key contributors like a Janai Broom get a little bit more minutes there and be able to to assert their dominance more. But overall, uh, you know, a great performance, uh, a game that Auburn should have won, and there was a reason they were favored by 14 uh, when, you, when you looked at it. But, you know, you, sometimes when this basketball team uh, in the past has gotten on the court and they're favored by a, a good amount of margin, they, uh, it's, you know, they'll, they'll win the basketball game. But you have to sweat it out a little bit sometimes. You, you know they'll go on some scoring runs. But Auburn did a good job of of, uh, of kind of keeping Notre Dame at bay, not letting them uh, when when they didn't make the runs, not letting them take advantage of it. And um, yeah, get got a big win and set yourself up for a big matchup with St. Bonaventure tonight. Well, and the ironic thing is that uh, Auburn was favored by about fourteen and a half on Notre Dame, and about twenty four earlier in the in the season against Southeastern Louisiana. They beat Southeastern Louisiana by 15, which would have barely covered the Notre Dame score. Right. And they beat Notre Dame by 24, which would have been around the cover for the Southeastern Louisiana game. Interesting. Uh, so, you know, that that tells you how much better Auburn played in this game. I think it also shows you, again, this was a important feather in the cap for the defense. Now, Notre Dame was building a house from the perimeter. Uh, I mean, they... They still had their looks, and to be as abysmal as they were, I believe two of 26 from three. That's rough. Uh, I mean, they could not throw it in the ocean from the perimeter. So, (laughs) uh, you know, that that does factor in. But I think Auburn did a clearly better job of defending without fouling. They did force Notre Dame to take those threes uh, because Notre Dame was having some success in the paint, and Auburn did a good job of just not letting Notre Dame get into the paint at will. So that was still an important thing that the Tigers' defense did. Uh, and so holding a team to 59 points, no matter how many uh, open looks they missed or threes, that sort of thing, you know, that, that is good news. And, and as Brooks uh, relayed so far this year in the young season, Marcus Burton had been Notre Dame's best player. He probably will still prove to be that, or at least one of them. And if anyone's going 4 of 20, really in any level of basketball, you have done a very successful job, and that, that is not going to be what that team uh, wants to have happen there uh, to be that inefficient. So uh, Auburn did a, a really good job there. And then, yeah, the, the playing time stuff, you know, th- that's a game where when you're up by that many points, it, it does not matter as much. That's something that I'll definitely be monitoring in the close games and in, uh, in further competition. But you certainly understand why uh, the minutes were so even. 
Uh, but but there were some really solid performances up and down. And again, that was a very steady offensive performance. Again, I know that towards the end of the first half, it waned a little bit. But when you look at the numbers, Auburn was very even. They were very consistent offensively. And they have been the first three games this year. 39 points in the first, 44 in the second. Shooting percentage, first half 53.8, second half 53.1. 5 of 10 from three in the first half, 4 of 10 from three in the second half. So uh, they played very even and consistent basketball. They've now got three games under their belt, and they've scored over 80 points in all three games. So uh, it, it is certainly fleshing out as looking like a solid offensive team. And as for the game tonight against St. Bonaventure, look, the Bonnies did come back and have a successful uh, comeback against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State kind of stunned them early, got out to an 8-10 point lead in the first five or six minutes. St. Bonaventure slowed the game down, slowly got back into it and won uh, there, uh, I think it was 66-64. So St. Bonaventure's on their season this year has not been scoring a ton of points. They've been in lower scoring games, 73-69, 70-67, and 66-64. So I'm going to tell you right now, if Auburn gets to 80 points, they're going to be just fine again uh, if they get to that number because I think St. Bonaventure is is grading out so far as more of a defensive team. Auburn is favored by 9.5 points tonight. And again, that game is coming up at 6 o'clock, so right after our show concludes today. Auburn and St. Bonaventure will get at it for the Legends Classic Championship. We're going to take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we'll get into some college football, some Auburn and New Mexico State stuff coming up next. We'll tell you the key players, what we want to see out of Auburn, and the goals of the game for the Tigers as they get set to face the New Mexico State Aggies. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday. And let's switch tune here to some Auburn football as they get set to take on New Mexico State inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Of course, when you look at New Mexico State, you see a team in Conference USA that's having a successful season in the Group of Five. They are 8-3. and three. They are going to play 13 regular season games, and they are going to go ahead and be in the Conference USA Championship game. Their quarterback, Diego Pavia, is the topic of conversation. His status is in doubt uh, for Saturday's game. He has been banged up uh, in practice a little bit this week, and, of course, that is greatly uh, of importance to the Aggies if they want any chance of hanging around on Saturday. Hugh Freeze has warned his team, obviously, about letdowns. We know what's coming up next weekend. 
and we know the tendency to look ahead to what's going ahead uh, next weekend. However, uh, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was uh, New Mexico State that beat a Liberty coached uh, Hugh Freeze team last year uh, as those uh, job rumors were circulating that Freeze would be on his way to Auburn. I think you uh, might be and, right. And uh, New Mexico State was one of the teams to knock off Liberty during that uh, end of sequence to the year. So uh, with all that in mind... Uh, I know not too worried about the win or the loss. The line is 25. However, I think it's going to be pretty obvious, guys, what Auburn's looking to get out of this game. They're looking to win this one yep. early and get out of it healthy. Absolutely. Just win it early, get out of it healthy. You're right, Ryan. And um, Man, I mean, my entire thing was going to say, yeah, you just got to watch out for Diego Pavia. But if Diego, if he's not playing, then... Yeah, I mean, there's really no hope at all whatsoever for New Mexico State. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't even know, you know, where to go from there if, if he's not playing because he's essentially their entire offense. So uh, they're, they're going to have a, a very, very tough time if they're unable, if he's unable to go. And uh, for the Auburn, you know, for Auburn, it, all you have to do is just make sure that you're, you're hitting on all cylinders. You're, you know, cleaning up some stuff, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Try to, you know, put those final tweaks in as you're getting ready for the Iron Bowl. Figure out um, what, what you officially want to do with that next game plan. Don't look ahead, obviously. You still have to respect your opponent. But, um, you know, be able to uh, – uh, execute at a high level and, uh, and walk away with the win, like you said, Ryan, um, healthy. Yeah, you know, you, you look at this, uh, and, you know, I don't want to I, – I, here's what I, I – you know, you, you expect Auburn to get a big win here. You expect them to, to you know, ultimately win the game by a, a good a margin. But I want to you – know, you know, you you look at this New Mexico State team. They're eight and three for a reason. They've won some uh, some football games. Um, and like you both of you said, if if Pavia is not in there, that's a big part of their team. He's their leading passer, obviously as a quarterback, but uh, he's also their leading rusher on the year. And so that would be a, that that'd be a really big loss uh, if he get if if he's not there. Uh, they also do have a a pretty good wide receiver with Jonathan Brady, uh, close to 500 receiving yards on the year, three touchdowns uh so far and you know he's a he's a guy that can break a break a big one uh so if you're auburn you got to be able to contain him uh on in the passing game and if if pavia is not out there they're going to try to make something happen with him too he's one of their better playmakers uh, but, you know, for the Tigers, you look at the, them, I think that they, you know, you need to establish the run early. I think Jarquez Hunter, uh, he's been on this uh, this trend here these last few weeks of having a big, big uh, rushing attacks. Uh, I think you can, need to continue to uh, to feed that, need to continue to uh, to try to pound this, pound the football and grind it out, uh, grind it early and, uh, and, and, you know, get out to a good lead so you can get your, uh, your you know, get, get some of the younger guys in uh, to, to see, to, uh, see what they can do, get them some game experience before you, uh, you get to those bowl practices here in a couple weeks. But this Auburn team, you know, should win it. They should win it handily. Uh, but, you know, it, you know, if you get into it, you know, let's say end of the first quarter, it's a close game. New Mexico State, you let New Mexico State hang around at, at all. Uh, like I said, they've got eight wins on the year for a reason. Uh, they, they can, you know, if you let them hang around, they start getting hope. Uh, they they could uh, they could be a problem, but like I said, and you you guys said, it, as long as Auburn puts it, you know, starts it, asserts their dominance a little early, takes the takes any hope out of the the Aggies early, that shouldn't be a problem. And look, I, I think that 
Hugh Freeze is the right person right now for being able to instill uh, a sense of urgency in this type of game. Again, being someone that uh, did not win this game last year, went at Liberty. And also just when you listen to him, kind of appreciate the little things a little bit more. Again, he did not know if he would get another SEC opportunity like this, let alone an opportunity at an even better program than what he was at when he was at Ole Miss. And so we've heard things from him this year, such as, you know, the goal year one. Obviously, it's not the long-term goal, but year one, we want to make a bowl game. Yeah, we do. We, we do value that. And we've not, we, we, we haven't failed doing that in any of the stops have been at, so we want to check that box. And, you know, he's talked about anyone in the SEC is, is precious and, and enjoying all that. So I think you listen to him throughout this year, at least right now in this part of the rebuild. Uh, I think he finds great value in every uh, every game, and I think that he will be able to instill that in the players, uh, into his players. So I'm not looking towards any sort of letdown. And look, the acumen for New Mexico State, again, they are going to be one of the better group of five uh, teams. I mean, clearly at 8-3, and three, they're going to compete for their conference's championship game. You know, this is not some uh, – well, this is not one of the weakest teams in the country. Let me term it that way. They are – they are still going to come out to somewhere in the 70s or 80s in the country, and there's going to be 40 or 50 teams that you could play that are going to be worse than them. But uh, with what Auburn has shown us the last couple of weeks, uh, again, if they're focused, you're going to be able to tell because they're they even with Diego Pavia, and look, he is a dual threat. He's run for like 700 yards. He's, he's got, their leading rusher. Yeah, leading the rusher. <laughs> he's, he's thrown for 18, 19 TDs. If he does play, I mean, again, he is a truly good player. However, it – still is going to come into play about their offensive line. It's going to come into play that they've not had a main, uh, a huge running back production, that it is going to be about stopping him. Uh, and look, Auburn has quite frankly played offenses that are still better than New Mexico State and limited them into the teens or, or 20s. And so uh, you just, at the end of the day, I, I just don't worry a, a whole lot about it. Now, I will say that I think that it is important to me, uh, a little bit more so than early in the season. What what the difference in playing a team like this late rather than early is the importance of getting out of here healthy it is way more important. And in my view, therefore, more important to get this game done with earlier so those guys have to play less snaps, less opportunities. You almost look at it, and I know it's maybe a poor way of looking at it because, again, I would also preach wins are valuable no matter who they're against. But it almost feels like the longer it goes, the more of a zero-sum game it becomes because you're having to fight off a team that shouldn't beat you longer and you're risking – uh, important injury or other other items for the Iron Bowl, which is obviously way more important than this particular game. And so uh, that is why early in the year, yeah, if you're playing someone like New Mexico State, you want to win it big time for the optics, but functionally I'm not as as irritable about it as I would be this one if you're having to play guys – late in the third or especially the fourth quarter just because every play that you're out there it's one more possibility that something goes wrong maybe it's confidence that wanes i mean it doesn't always have to be injury sometimes it could be confidence i think this offense has become incredibly confident the last couple of weeks they are, are running different stuff they're throwing deeper passes they're hitting bigger plays 
Uh, and, and it would be a shame, obviously, if you have a turnover fest to then feel like the confidence is going to go out the door. Uh, but then again, obviously, with the with the injury part of it, that is something where it, Auburn has been relatively healthy this year. I feel for SEC football. Yeah, this team it had a few injuries first half of the year. Some of those guys really came back earlier than anticipated, and there's not a lot of injuries going on. And in particular, uh, when we asked Brian Matthews about it yesterday, offensively, especially really all year, they they've been able to keep everyone. Uh, on the field so it would be a a big shame if that were to go awry uh, this late in the game so again that's why I think there is a higher sense of urgency to get up at half something like 31-7 31-6 you know whatever that might look like so that you only need another drive or two in the third quarter to go ahead and accomplish what you've needed to accomplish uh, and then get into playing backups and that sort of thing and and getting set for the Iron Bowl. Last question before we go to break to you guys. So let's say this goes well for Auburn and that they are able to, again, achieve the goal, basically cover the spread in a half or so, and then sometime mid to late third quarter, they're able to start working other people in there. Do you have an interest level in playing Gurner over Ashford? Do you care at all? Uh, is there somebody else on the team that's young that you want to see more from? Uh, just, just your thoughts on, on, on what should go on with, with that, those kind of player adjustments once they're able to uh, kind of uh, put the game to bed. Yeah, I want to see what uh, what Holden brings to the table. In all honesty, we a hundred percent know what Robbie is, and that's no that's no offense or anything to him. We know we just know how he plays. We know his style of play, um, and honestly, there's the expectations that we think he's going to probably leave after this year. Um, but with Holden, you're curious to see what you have in him. you you know, uh, Hugh Free seems to be pretty you know pretty high on him. Uh, seems to really like him, and, and and you know he seems to have been pretty accurate, especially coming along in the second half of the season. Uh, you know, obviously moved up in the depth in the depth chart to the to QB two. So uh, I, I would be interested to see how he plays. Just just see how he uh, you know reacts to certain things and, and and true play calling, not like thrown in there spur spur the moment situations, like actual throwing and actual play calling, and and see what his skill set truly looks like. Uh, because I I don't think we've seen it in, in a full in a full scope. So however much you know playing time he's going to be able to get, uh, I I'd be very interested in seeing what Holden Gardner brings to the table. I, I I'm also very I would also be very interested to to see Holden Gardner in some live game action. Um, mainly I, I think we know what uh, what Robbie Asher brings to the table. Um, we we've seen it last year. We saw it, we've seen it a little bit this year. Uh, and Hugh Freeze has talked about. He, he mentioned last week uh, after the win last week, he'd like to have gotten Gurner some passes, passing opportunities. I think this could be a real, oppor- real big uh, chance for to to see Gurner in some live game action uh, and uh, ahead of what could be, like I said, a, a, I think I said it earlier this week, what could be a QB competition next year between uh, a Peyton Thorne and a Holden Gurner. Uh, if you could get some live game reps there uh, on on tape and, you know, you can start looking at that ahead of next year and you get those, you know, you get to see them a little bit in bowl practices too and, and into the spring, I think that could go a long way in, uh, in seeing how well he, can, he, uh, he could be a, a factor into a, a potential QB race next year. Um, other than that, uh, you know, 
obviously, again, uh, Robbie Ashford getting out there would, would, wouldn't hurt. Uh, I just don't know if there's anybody else on, on the roster right now if, if that would uh, that needs to get some playing time. I mean, you, you got Hank Brown on the, on, in the back end of it, but he's a guy that, you know, you, you throw him out there, maybe hand off a couple times. You, you just don't need to, you know, it, it, he does not seem to, to factor in at, at this point, especially with a guy like Walker White coming in next year uh, as a true freshman. It, it feels like he's going to be a guy that just keeps slipping down the depth chart. Yeah, look, I, I think at this point um, with, with that quarterback situation, why not play Gurner at the end of it yes. uh, if you can and, and just let him get some opportunities. You don't have to read reps. into it. You know, if he goes 7 of 9 for 94 yards, great. If he goes 3 of 9 for 38 yards, whoops. I mean, but but whatever the case is, I, I don't think it hurts because I think that ship has sailed on, on Robbie Ashford. It just has, especially as a starting quarterback, yeah. If you're trying to make the argument there's still a play here or there for him, okay, fine. That I would not subscribe to that opinion, but but okay, he's an athletic dude. Find something to do with him. You know, you can you can certainly hold that opinion, but he's just not ever going to be the starting quarterback at Auburn University. And so, whether Holden Gurner ever becomes that or not, I think that you still still work with him a little bit because. Uh, you will have a situation that unless Peyton Thorne just plays awesome football in the Iron Bowl, you're going to at least want a competition, and you're going to want to, at the very least, investigate everything again, uh, whether that between be between him and Gurner, whether that be between him and Walker White, or you add another portal guy. I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I think at this point it is more beneficial. And, it may, again, like I said, I'm not promising you that it is incredibly beneficial, but it is more beneficial – to play Gurner and get him five to ten pass attempts, if this scenario plays out, than it is to see Ashford throw it five to ten more times or or run five more read options or whatever. You just kind of know what it is. Uh, you kind of know what what you're going to get with Ashford. And uh, again, that that is really at, at this point it's faded in terms of uh, relevancy to, to long term plans. And then just as far as other guys. Uh, you look at younger receivers, you just go younger. I mean, in games like this, you just go younger when, when you can. Uh, and so you want to see more Caleb Burton at, at wide receiver and stuff like that. You want to see more J- J- Caleb Falk uh, on, on defensive end. And you just want to see uh, what, what more the youth brings. Again, the ideal scenario to be able to start being able to do this early, mid, third quarter. Uh, and again, in a game like this, you're definitely going to be looking to try to keep all of your main guys healthy. We're going to take one final timeout here in the 3 o'clock hour. Back with more Sports Call after this timeout. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. 
From the Tennessee Valley to the Gulf Coast, we've got all the high school football covered right here. Hi, everybody. It's Jay Jeffcoat inviting you to join us all season long for the AHSAA Radio Network Scoreboard Show right here. We'll bring you all the scores and highlights every Friday night from 10 to midnight. Presented by Central Alabama Community College, Wickles Pickles, Main Street Urgent Care, Southeastern Land Group, Russell DeWitt Centers, the Alabama Department of Transportation, and Southern Union State Community College. The AHSAA Scoreboard Show, Fridays at 10 p.m. on FM Talk. 93.9. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon talking all things Auburn, all things college football. And uh, coming up in the second hour of the show, we'll re- we will reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week. We'll also start to get into the other matchups going across the country a little bit more on Auburn, New Mexico State. Wanted to bring up one NFL item today. Uh, just to end this hour, and that is just the alarming rate of quarterback injuries in the NFL this year, and we saw another one. And I recall talking a little bit in the preseason, not necessarily just about quarterbacks, but there was a, 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 a over the course of a week or so, there was like four or five pretty significant injuries or significant players that got injured in practice. Like, man, that's a, a, a high per right there. And now we've seen that play out over the course of this regular season at the sport's most important position. Of course, I'm referring to Joe Burrow, who got injured last night. Um, A wrist injury, tore a ligament in his wrist. He is gone for the season. He was one of the guys that got banged up in the preseason, was having a, you know, rocky health-wise, but was starting to get on track for the season in terms of his play and in terms of the Bengals' play. Now their season is pretty much ruined. And he joins a list of other notable quarterbacks that are believed to be out for the year. Deshaun Watson, who just went down. He had been ailing. He had missed some time already this year. He is now out for the year. Kirk Cousins, who tore his Achilles. Daniel Jones, who's out with a knee injury. Anthony Richardson, who was off to a promising start to his season, uh, tore up his shoulder. Uh, And then Aaron Rodgers, who, of course, tore his Achilles and barring some miracle comeback, also out for the year. So that's that's six guys out for the year. So... That's crazy. That's two two shoulder injuries because Deshaun's was a shoulder, right? If I remember yep, correctly, two shoulders, two shoulders, two Achilles, Achilles, and yep. an ACL. Yeah, ACL now a wrist and a wrist. Which oh the wrist gosh. one is is fascinating. That's not as common, right? But it's your throwing. Yeah, I mean, side. you could tell he couldn't even he yeah. couldn't even do it. And and the Bengals are now getting investigated because apparently they posted something on social media that's now been deleted about how. Burrow had on a soft cast, but he wasn't on the injury report right. at all. Which, of course, you cannot do. Yeah, can't do that. And then, you know, the, the post, like I said, has been deleted, but they, they're they probably going to get in some trouble for that yeah, because it was fine. clearly that he, yeah. he wasn't good before that. So it, it's weird. It's very weird. And, and, again, I could also mention the array of quarterbacks that have had ailments that caused them yeah. to miss time this year. I mean, Garoppolo, before yep. he got benched, missed a game or two. Purdy's been on the injury report. 
Um, I mean, there, there are several guys on top of that. Jalen Hurts seems uh, to be dealing with a knee thing too, kind of. He's sure. been wearing a um, a brace on his knee uh, as of the last like two two weeks, maybe. So okay, bye week might have helped him out though. At least still been available, but right. yeah, not maybe not one hundred percent. Lamar was looking gimpy at times last night, but still still good enough to play. Uh, you know, actually Pickett did miss a game, I believe. Uh, with yep. uh, Trubisky had to come in there. Uh, in Pittsburgh, I mean, again, you can go through about every division and find someone that has banged up. Justin Herbert's played, but he's been you know, uh, dealing with with thumb stuff. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it, Justin Fields. Fields has been out oh for a gosh. while. Yeah. Oh gosh. I injury mean, rolled season at that uh, position. Carr has missed a Carr, missed a yep. half a game. I don't think he's missed a full game. He's gotten injured and out of yeah. two separate games yep. that Winston had to finish. Both Atlanta quarterbacks have gotten hurt at some point. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yes. Ritter. Ritter. I guess that was half injury, half benching. Right. But then Heineke got that injured. Was a weird yeah. One. You're right. Yeah. I, oh, again, once you total up, half the league's quarterbacks have been out, and now six of the thirty-two starters out for the year. And again, and all—I mean, with Watson missing time earlier this year, uh, five of those six being injured for at least half the year, missing. Just remembered half another the year. one: Bryce Young missed a game early in the season. Yep, Dalton played. <laughs> I, I mean, when you when you think about it, you're going to get to at least half, not That's over crazy. half, quarterbacks that have missed That's time. That's crazy. Uh, it, it's been a ticking time bomb. Uh, and no idea if there's any data to say that uh, everyone, you know, if that's a league-wide problem or if it's just a freak season. Yeah, I think it might be just one of those years. Yeah, but but it is war of attrition at the again the game's most important quarterback spot or most important position, which is the quarterback spot. Uh, and it's it's a shame because now I mean some of these guys are big names. You ask the Jets how different their season could be if Rodgers was in there. I think we have a, a good feeling it would be different. Uh, the Browns have a completely capable team that yeah. would love to even even with Watson looking average and, and overpaid that that still would much rather have him yeah. uh, in there than uh, DTR Dorian Thompson Robinson right. or, or PJ Walker uh, and then of course now Burrow pretty much ending the Bengals season I mean these, yeah. there's a good mixture of very important injuries yeah oh man that is just a, a bummer uh, it just kind of lowers the product of the NFL as a whole because of you know how much weight is put on the how important the the quarterback position is and uh i mean all these injuries just left and right like i said i mean i'm like thinking of new ones you know as they pop up and, and i thought of another one too okay. while you were talking what? uh Tannehill before oh my before gosh you're right. before he got his, benched Tannehill, yeah. like it's yeah. crazy it's, yeah. it's it's i i truly think it is just one of those years where it's just you know a certain position just gets kind of beat up and and, and this is one of those years where it's the quarterback position and um, it's unfortunate overall for the NFL. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, because I mean, those are, I mean, a few of those were Super Bowl contenders. Like, I mean, the Jets were Super Bowl contenders with Rodgers, uh, obviously the Bengals. Um, and, you know, you could probably make a case for the Browns because that defense is surely a Super Bowl winning defense. Uh, you know, the offense has some things that to be desired, but I mean, you lost Nick Chubb. So, that already was a, a, a loss for the season. So they've lost their starting running back and their starting quarterback now. So their season is highly derailed. And uh, it, it's very, it's highly unusual. I just I, I think it's just a freak year. It, it really is. 
Thought of another one. What? Matthew Stafford. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's crazy. And Brooks is oh over there like, God. I would have been fine if my quarterback got hurt. I right. really I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I was going to ask anybody. you, dude, has Mac Jones gotten hurt or just benched? Uh, uh, the confidence just, has been hurt. Just just benched a oh, um, couple times. So, again, couple I'm t- <laughs> a couple of Going times. back. Uh, I haven't hit. Are they starting Jones again this weekend? Have they announced well, that? Well, we're, we're off this weekend. Oh, they have oh, a full week to think about they it. They get, get a full week to come back to the decision to make uh, Mark I would go Greer. Give me Greer. Go ahead and look at him. Did you see uh, Dan Orlovsky said today that the Browns could make the playoffs with Mac Jones? Yes, I did see that. That's surely I, interesting. I mean, I well, mean, let me see if they make it with anyway with Walker slash DTR. If if they make it with them, then yes, they they still that's would fair because they that defense is going to carry them. They're doing this still with Chubb being yeah, injured right. too. Uh, which again, I don't know if the Browns end up making the playoffs. That that might be a very easy out for for right. someone who's playing. But um, you know, they they continue to to get through it for now. Again, for now. But yeah. man, it, it has been disappointing because I think we were asked the other week about you know how the defensive numbers are better this year. And and again, I, I think agree. when you just flesh it out like this, it's a pretty simple simple explanation of why this has been going on. It's been. Uh, been a rough epidemic for the NFL this year with injured quarterbacks, and uh, unfortunately, <laughs> there's no promise that it won't stop. Still, uh, still seven weeks to play, so hopefully there will be more health uh, for these quarterbacks, and we'll get uh, healthy football teams in all of these big games. We are out of time for hour number one. Talking in hour number two about a lot of college football. Again, more Auburn, New Mexico State. We'll look at some of the other matchups going across the country. We'll also get to Sports Call's Player of the Week. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday. Our guy Cam Berry will be only with us for the next half hour. Then he will have uh, some duties with Smith Station Basketball as they take on Russell County, our first broadcast of high school basketball 
Uh, and excited to do that. Brent Dontry will be on the call of that one out in Seal, Alabama, against Russell County for the Smith Station Panthers. Uh, so another half hour or so with Cam. We start uh, the second hour of the program talking some college football and getting set for usually this time this weekend is uh, a close to a nothing burger. I mean, usually there is one or two. I think there's a couple more uh, than that this week uh, that are important. Uh, there are there's one SEC game that lost a little bit of luster with Tennessee losing to Missouri, but still that Georgia Tennessee game will be big. Uh, there's an interesting one between Kansas and Kansas State. No, I'm not being weird. That is a top 25 matchup <laughs> this Woo! year. Uh, so that's a ranked matchup. You have Utah and Arizona. That's a ranked matchup. And then uh, you have, I believe you have one more uh, that I lacked. Uh, yeah, the biggest one of the weekend. Uh, number five, Washington at number 11, Oregon State. So, again, shout out to the Pac-12 for providing some ranked matchups again this time of the year. Uh, clearly a thriving co- uh, conference that should get a big TV deal. Or not. Uh, <laughs> so, or, uh, or it's not. passing away. Right. Uh, so let's get into some of the news, though, from college football before we get into some of these particular games. Uh, Michigan stuff continues to be ongoing uh, having to fire a what a linebackers coach today uh, with connection to the investigation. There's this hoopla about a what a, a Uncle T. Yeah, is that what we're doing at Michigan? An Uncle T that was allegedly funding this Connor Stallions operation in conjunction with this linebacker coach. Uh, I'm just not sure at this point that Michigan can make it a full solid week without something new and damning uh, coming out. I, I don't even know if there's a question here. It, <laughs> it, does anything surprise you at this uh, at this point with Michigan? Uh, no. No, <laughs> if you told me that Jim Harbaugh himself dressed up as Nick Saban and uh, tested positive for COVID back in 2020 to keep Nick Saban out of that football game, I'd believe you. At this point, I'd believe you. Um, it's it, it's a it, – you know, it, it just continues to lead lead you toward that Michigan is going to be looking for a new head football coach at the end of the year. And, and, and not because they had to fire Jim Harbaugh because he's like, all right, you know, peace out. I'm going to go back to the NFL. Um and you know, the, then Michigan's left in the in the boat that they were. It, it's a little bit better of a spot than than what it was when Harbaugh got there after Brady Hoke. But you're still you're you know, you're looking at a, a program that's going to be under uh you know that, that's going to get some some sanctions from the NCAA just because you suspend just because you know the Big Ten is out here suspending them doesn't mean that the NCAA is not going to still come down and, and uh, do something. Especially as more and more stuff comes out there, you know the the more stuff comes out, the less helpful this punishment is for Michigan because you know you, you talk about the sanction you know you talk about uh, programs going through self-imposing different things on themselves to try to lessen the blow from the NCAA well cool and Michigan's not doing that it, the Big Ten is saying hey you're suspended and it's like all right maybe that'll you know the NCAA will will lay you know will we'll take a little bit off of the of Michigan after that, after, you know, that suspension. Well, the more stuff that comes out after you've already suspended him, then the more the NCAA starts to build it back up. It's like, all right, cool. 
you guys suspended them. Thanks for that. But now, since you've done that, this and this and this and this have come out. And Jim Harbaugh's actually, you know, been uh, role-playing as the the head football coach at Green Bay and, like, illegally recruiting Michigan players to come to, to the Packers after they get free agents. And it's just – it's it, it's so – you know, the, the more stuff that comes out – the, the more the NCAA says, cool, that was a fun uh, punishment you did. Watch what we can do. And so Michigan, is, it continues to get more, sink down more and more. Because we all know the NCAA, they do investigations differently. They don't say, they don't say hey, we got these allegations. Let's come investigate. They, they get the allegations. They said, we think you're guilty. Prove us wrong. And then that it's up to the school to give to hand over stuff to say, we didn't do this. Well, it keeps getting harder for them to say they, that they were doing wrong Look, things. Look, we don't know who Connor Stallions is. He's not on our staff. Who's that guy? Anymore. He was Central Michigan's coach. What don't even remember. Who's that guy? Uh, Never seen him before in my life. What, um, what's the proper punishment? Because that that's the next that's the next uh, level here, and that's going to happen again. If you believe some of the writing, I mean, the NCAA is quote heightened speed investigation, and that they're going to have a, instead of two years, it might take them like six months. That's right. Crazy. Well, exactly. I mean, the 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 due process again allows for like a ninety day response period once a nose foul allegations, then a sixty day window to then rule on the on that uh contest and and so really you're automatically at about a four to five month after you get the nose validations but the the rumor is that the nose validations will will come before the end of 2023 it will come in probably good. in the month of december uh but at still i mean you're going to have a clouded situation because you're going to have Look, they're not going to suggest punishments, really, uh, but we'll be able to figure out what they allege <laughs> about how serious it's going to be if they're going to end up want, wanting to take away all these wins from Michigan. I'm going to spoil it. They will. They're going to want to take away these wins from oh, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, and that's the part I've hated this whole time is just knowing that whatever happens could, in the history books, Say it did not happen. Uh, and I always hate stuff like that because it's like we see with our own eyes who wins what, and then someone cheated, someone did something allegedly. Now, I still think these situations are different than maybe even you know the Re Reggie Bush stuff and that sort of thing. Uh, this is more of a team-wide issue than one player. Uh, and what I guess what USC did back then would be way more <laughs> allowed yeah, now. Yeah, uh, So... You know, it. There are levels to the situation, but again, I, I, I just wish that this could have. I just wish everything about it would have been different. Although it's quite been funny to to read every new development because again, it gets it gets wilder and wilder. <laughs> it does get wilder and wilder. I I don't know what the punishment will be. I mean, I you know, like you said, take away games. Uh, so that, that I think, uh, there are takeaway wins. I think that'll surely play a part, but. Um, you know, I, I, I again, I, I don't really know how much Harbaugh is truly going to suffer if if he truly had something to do with this, which, you know, deniability, things like that. You can say whatever, whatever, but you're the head coach of the program. So even if you didn't know, you should have known. Uh, and this has been going on for 
couple seasons, three. right? Three yeah. seasons. So again, three seasons. You don't know what this guy's doing. That's eh, sorry. I, I just don't buy that. I just don't. How do we um, all of a sudden get really yeah, good? Yeah, I, like in, in 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 as soon as this happened, you started having a significant turnaround in your program. Yeah, yeah. not not uh, not buying that too much. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, they might come down hard on them, but again, it, <laughs> I don't know how much Harbaugh's going to suffer. It, it'll be more uh, just the program as a whole at Michigan, and and you know he might hate that that it happened at Michigan. Because, you know, that's his alma mater and how much that means to him and different things like that, being a coach there. But at the end of the day, he kind of gets off a little bit relatively scot-free and, you know, maybe get banned from coaching college football again. But the man has jobs, like, will have job opportunities. You know, even if he doesn't get a head coaching gig at the NFL level, he will probably get a coordinator gig, something like that. So, uh, I mean, there's plenty of opportunity there for him. He will coach again at some point. So, uh, I mean, if he wants to. Um, so I, I, that's the kind of tough part about it is, you know, these players, these kids that are going to end up going to Michigan are going to have to suffer for something for, for somebody that probably won't even be there in the next year or two and, and, uh, won't really have to deal with the consequences. So, uh, I, I always, you know, I always hate that, but, uh, I guess, I mean, that's kind of how it, how it goes with college football. Yeah. I mean, well, and again, this one is just. A far more serious situation. It is on the field. I, I mean, they're going to lose eligibility things. Probably lose some scholarships. Yeah. Probably, you know. Yeah, not, I, uh, I'm thinking that this is when you pull you pull back out the the future bowl ban for a year or two. Yeah. Um, and you'll have to vacate everything. And uh, I mean, again, you will probably get docked some scholarships or something but but i think i think it will be more of an on the field and what you can do or did do on the field penalty because again these are not typically when the ncaa is investigating usually it's recruiting stuff like oh someone got a car and we and we figured it out or someone got mcdonald's bags they didn't just have a, a mchappy meal in there <laughs> didn't have mcnuggets they had mcmoney and that's not okay uh so Usually those kind of violations they're recruiting, you sometimes are still so serious, obviously you have to do something about it with with on the field or that sort of thing, but usually you want to take scholarships away and take the ability to recruit at a high level away to some degree. This is because it's cheating. This is more of a penalty that I think should be directed on the field, and I, I think it ultimately will be. And just because the Big Ten did not do that, Again, the Big Ten was already kind of taking a risk by doing anything to Michigan. Unfortunately, they were just not going to do uh, the the ultimate and go ahead and ban them from the Big Ten title game. They were they were just not going to do that, um, and and have you know Michigan that upset, and they were already incredibly upset. Um, the, the whole situation's been one of these stories in quite some time. Uh, in college football, and it's been uh, been pretty insane to, to play out. And it had, again, another development today. If you know who Uncle T is, uh, please, please, enlighten, <laughs> please enlighten us. We get to the bottom of it uh, in Ann Arbor. Pretty crazy stuff. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll talk more college football. We'll look more on-the-field stuff at more positive, non-cheating stuff. Let's look at some Heisman Watch stuff. 
and, and rank our Heisman guys coming up next. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan McGoy, Cam Barry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday. Last segment with Cam before we say goodbye to him for the weekend. Wah, wah. Uh, but, uh, of course, I'll we'll still all see Cam. The fun thing is for the behind-the-scenes people is he will be in the studio over from us. It's true. Uh, running Smith Station Basketball. So I'll we'll still see wave. him the whole time. Yeah. Just won't be able to communicate as well. Uh, let's talk a little Heisman before, again, we get into some of the games this weekend. Two regular season weeks left, plus a what's going to be, I think, very pivotal for obviously Captain Obvious the the playoffs, but for the Heisman race because I think you're going to see uh, maybe a head to head matchup in the Pac-12 that could play a pivotal role. What's your top three or four right now? Do you, I, I won't limit it to three if you feel there's four true candidates, but okay. uh, what, what's your ranking right now? Who number one right now? I have is Bo Nix. He's my top. Uh, top Heisman candidate right now. Number two, um, I, I have Jaden Daniels. I think he's just been so dynamic. He's been, you know, you, he's been the best, arguably the best player in college football, um, and and he deserves that consideration. So I have him at number two. Number three, I have um, I have I have Michael Penix Jr. Uh, again, a really talented uh, quarterback has been playing lights out um and uh just that offense is just so dynamic he raises the ceiling just uh, immensely um i don't think i have a fourth guy in all in all honesty i I think those are my top three and i'm pretty i'm pretty locked into that um you know if 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 there's anybody that you want to make a case for it for i I would i mean i'd surely hear you out um you know i don't i'm not really buying the marvin harrison jr hype with with the Heisman stuff he's not even leading you know he's I mean he's up there with the receivers don't get me wrong but he's not like leading the country in receptions yards and 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 touchdowns you know for receivers so it that I mean he's really really good he will be the number one receiver taking taken in the NFL draft like he'll be the first one taken but other than that I I just don't buy that hype so my top three Bo Nix Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix Jr. for sure yeah, uh, I, I think mine is is right around the same same right there. I think Bonex is, is leading the way right now. You know, you, you look what he's done at Oregon this year. He just continues to lead the Ducks. Uh, you know, you know the only blemish on that that uh, the resume is that loss at Washington, and he still didn't look uh, he, he didn't look terrible against Washington. Uh, I still really like Michael Penix. 
Um, he's he's still a, a guy. You know, I, I mentioned after they won that Oregon game that uh, he was uh, at that moment was the favorite to win the Heisman. I still think he's got a really really good shot at, at it, especially if he uh, ends up winning the Pac-12 championship here in a couple weeks. Um, I think that uh, if, if they if, if I think Michael Penix has got a really good shot at, at still winning that Heisman, I uh, still really like uh, r- like his chances. Uh, Jaden Daniels is a guy that you know continues to break records and, and do stuff. I think the biggest thing against him is that they they've just continued to lose, and it's not his fault that they lose. They've lost a couple games. Is done. He's literally done everything he can to win those games. But when you look at the Heisman voting, uh, you know the, the less losses you have on your on on the resume, the, the better for them. Uh, for for the eventual winner, but I still think Jaden Daniels is, is a guy that can that that is deserving of being those final uh, that that final uh, few up in New York, um, and you know it's fluctuated between three and five depending on how the voting's gone. Um, uh, you know there there's not really I, I think it's those three I think it's Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Jane Daniels. And then there's a big gap to anybody else that would be in the in in the race there. You know, like Cam, you were saying, you got the Marvin Harrison, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. chatter out there. I mentioned earlier this week, there's been some Jalen Milrow chatter, uh, how he's uh, finished. You know, has how he's gone on this year. Um, Jordan Travis uh, is a guy that could you know could still make a, a, a late push there with the with a couple wins down the stretch here, especially with an ACC title. Uh, a win here in a few weeks um but uh and it's uh you know there there's there's a there's a few guys there but th- those three those three quarterbacks and again it just it feels like it, it continues to be a quarterback uh award at this point with uh Knicks, Penix and and Daniels I think those are the, the three guys that you you should expect to see uh on that on that Saturday night in New York well but look i mean again i think that the reason it's become so quarterback heavy is the value of the quarterback position has just continued to skew more and more important. And it was a little behind the NFL game, but you know, we talked all summer long about how running backs, great running backs just did not matter uh, for NFL teams, at least putting them over the top. Maybe it makes you better instead of a seven win team, a nine win team, or instead of a three win team, a six win team, but it, it just does not matter if you have an elite guy when it comes to winning Super Bowls and that sort of thing. Uh, and in college, it took a little bit more time, but it, it's kind of gotten that point. And also just because you can run the quarterback sometimes. I mean, the quarterback mobile game is a big port, and I'll tell you why in just a second. I look at, and let me preface this. I think the Heisman, and this is up for debate, and certainly what it is and, and what it should be, it's all up for debate. In my mind, I have always viewed the Heisman Memorial Trophy more as a most outstanding player award than a most valuable player award. I have always viewed the Heisman more as, okay, who is just a dominant force in the sport? Who is just the best player, the most impressive player, the player that makes you go, wow, uh, and that sort of thing. That is how I have viewed the award. Again, it's open for interpretation. That's why it does seem to change from time to time. And why everyone has different viewpoints. In my opinion, the most outstanding player in college football, and there is still time to change this. I'm not submitting my vote. I don't, I would never, if I ever had a vote, I would not submit it until the last game's played. But right now, the most outstanding player in the sport is Jaden Daniels. And I think, period, end of discussion, because of the raw numbers that he puts up in both passing and rushing, Jane Daniels 
when you think of him, you might have a tendency to think, well, you know, great runner, but good passer. You know, certainly good. Folks, he's third in the in college football in passing yards at over 3,100 yards. He has 30 passing touchdowns to four interceptions. And then rushing the football, Jane Daniels is 28th in the entire country in rushing the football. He is at over 900 rushing yards. That is second in the SEC to Missouri's Cody Schrader. He is second in the conference in rushing yards. Yes, he is ahead of the likes of Quinshot Judkins of Ole Miss and Jalen Wright of Tennessee. And so, I, for me, I don't get too bothered by the losses. He is not really a part of the problem of why they've lost these games. We all knew the second he was out of the Alabama game, it was over, period. Garrett Nussmeyer does not matter. It's over because Jane Daniels is not in that game anymore. Uh, we know they did not win the Ole Miss game with nothing to do with offense, scored 40-something points in that game. It was couldn't stop a tree. Uh, and then early in the year was probably his worst force of the game. He still had like 400 total yards, 300-something total yards in the Florida State game. They just didn't finish possessions in the red zone, but they also gave it 42 points in the game. And so, again, it's not a value award to me. And I think that Jane Daniels has been the best player in college football. Now, you can be the best player in college football and, and not end up being the top pick because the pros, you got to do different things, and that's why you can still perfectly accept Caleb Williams and Drake May above some of these guys as prospects, and I do agree with that assessment too. But I think that Jane Daniels has been the most outstanding player in the sport. So I would vote him one. I would vote Bonix two as of right now. I would vote Penix three. Uh, and then I would go for Dylan Gabriel. I think Gabriel missing a game has, has hurt him a little bit. But, again, you go through all the numbers with him. Uh, he's been, again, incredibly accurate. He's 70% of the year. Uh, he has put up large numbers. He has 11 rushing touchdowns. I think people realize he does add a lot to the rushing part of it. And I think he's been awesome for Oklahoma this year. I think that you still have a bunch of guys. If you want to go 5 through 10, that's when you have the Caleb Williams and Quinn Ewers and Jordan Travis and, and all those guys. Uh, but, you know, I think there is a clear three-man breakaway. But I think Gabriel, to me, is a clear four. And then you get into kind of a hodgepodge of guys at 5 to 10. Uh, but look again at the end of the day. If you think it's a value award, you're going to you're going to you're going to put Daniels down there, uh, and, and you're not going to have him win it because he's going to have three losses, uh, and, and they're not going to win anything of consequence this year. And that's how you're going to grade it that way. But I just I don't view the Heisman in that light. I view it as a, a as a mop, not an MVP. Uh, and, and so I I would vote Daniels pretty pretty resoundingly. I will also say, because, again, this would kind of prove to you why um, you have a situation where the betting markets, again, they favor quarterbacks, but also the, it, it would make you think that it is more of a value award. When you think most outstanding, I'm sorry. I haven't really taken a stance on this yet, but I think it's similar to Stetson Bennett last year. Jam Milrow has improved a lot. He is not one of the most five or seven outstanding players in college football. He's not. Uh, he, uh, again, he's going to make big plays. Uh, he's certainly done that. Again, I think it's night and day from, from day one. He's 53rd in the country in passing yards. And you can't say that Alabama blew a bunch of teams out this year. They've, they only have recently, with, with the Kentucky game, they had close games 
with Arkansas, with Tennessee. LSU started to get a little out of hand. He had a huge game rushing the ball. That was one of his best games, but it had nothing to do with passing. But, you know, the rushing numbers are not huge either because he takes a, a, a lot of sacks. If you go value, okay, you're looking at Alabama being a really good team and quarterback to Alabama, and, it's again, it's the argument that Stetson Bennett had last year that got him there. But in terms of most outstanding, it, it, he's not really that high up there. Uh, and, and I don't see – I'm sorry, if you're getting out pass, and again, I know there's a rushing element to it, but if DJ Uyangale has is, is got more passing yards than you, if Haynes King has more passing yards than you and, and some of these other guys, Cade Klubnik, like, that's not inherently incredibly outstanding. Again, I know that there's a rushing element to it. You've got success, great. But, again, if you're if you're voting for value, he's going to be higher up there. But I vote for most outstanding, and – I don't think he's particularly in that conversation at all, uh, to be honest with you. So uh, that's kind of how I see the rankings of it. And, again, it is really, I think, a mix of the two. I think voters kind of go back and forth themselves uh, and and have trouble deciding. There's going to be a great opportunity for a Heisman moment for both Bo Nix and Michael Penix, assuming they play each other again in the Pac-12 championship game. And so Jaden Daniels will have to rack up the numbers here these next couple of weeks because he will not have a conference championship game to play in. I don't know the whole situations in the Big 12. Dylan Gabriel might have a Big 12 championship game to play in. Certainly, uh, Quinn Ewers will for Texas unless they lose both games. Uh, And then some other candidates like Jordan Travis uh, will also uh, have a a conference championship game. Uh, so, So, again, Daniels is fighting it, but I just think that it's more of a most outstanding award and uh, that's the rate I will go. But, again, I think this has been a really good year for the Heisman conversation. There's not a clue, clear runaway. However, there's five to ten guys that have all had really tremendous seasons and been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, would you like to know the odds right now? Sure. The fan, uh, this is from the New York Post, which you got it from FanDuel, which um, I'm, they, they list nine people here. So I'm, I don't know why they didn't go to just give you right. the top ten, but right. they, they listed nine. So I'll go from back to front to from from least likely in this nine to most likely, according to, again, FanDuel betting odds from the New York Post. Uh, Dylan Gabriel sitting at number nine at plus 15,000. Okay. Uh, then Michigan quarterback uh, J.J. McCarthy at plus 12,000. Value. Uh Florida State's uh, QB Jordan Travis at plus yep. six thousand. Quarterback uh, from Alabama Jalen Milrow at plus five thousand. QB Carson Beck from Georgia at plus thirty five hundred. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. at plus six hundred. And then you've got uh, the, the three that we've all mentioned: uh, yep. Michael Penix and Jane Daniels are actually tied at plus three seventy. And then Bo Nix is the odds-on favorite at minus one ten. Because Bowers missed a couple games, he's not on there. I think Harrison or Bowers could be put in that five to ten range again. For me personally, I'm not putting them in the top three or four. I do think it helps and hurts because for Harrison, for McCord being good, not great. I think you're able to separate. Hey, the receiver means a lot. However, the problem with not having an elite quarterback is well, you don't have just the unbelievable numbers that you kind of need to break through the quarterback wall. Again, yeah, I didn't mention Beck. Beck's been really good. I think he's flown on the radar. Outstanding. Yeah, you know, to a degree. I still think that's more of a value play, too, because you're the quarterback of one of, if not probably the best team in the country. Uh, so, again, that's just not my preferred vote. Um, the, the value thing in a sport with 100-some teams, like you could make a, a good argument for it. 
but I also just look at it as just more of a can you do something that wows people? And that, to me, is always worthy of separating yourself uh, in this huge sport with all these different conferences and playing all these different teams. I just prefer to not try to define what's most valuable in, in that fray, uh, and I would rather define what is most incredible, most outstanding. Also, with uh, if, if you uh, caught on to anything, only two of those players are on teams that are not in the playoff scenario right now, LSU with Jaden Daniels yeah. and Dylan Gabriel with Oklahoma. Yeah, so again, it – it's it's clear those markets are slanting it more towards value, but again, that's not my preference. We are going to head to our next timeout. Cam Barry, sir, thank you for being here today. Bye. I appreciate everything that you do, and uh, absolutely, the show will go on, and will. Uh, we will see you again next week. See you next week. I'll miss you guys. I'll miss you, and I'll, I'll wave at you from across the glass. Here I'll wave back. You over. Uh, that's it for Cam Barry for the show today. But that's not it for us here at Sports Call. We're halfway through this Friday edition of Sports Call. When we come back, we'll start to talk about some of the other games going on in the country this weekend. Of course, if you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join the conversation today. Sports Call returns after this. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy and Brooks Childress continuing on with this Friday edition of the program. We come back from break and we go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9 at Tiger 9. Joining us right now is Sam from Pell City. Sam, how are you doing today? Good. How about you guys? Doing very well. Yeah, so... I was wondering, like, how how uh, you thought the game was going to go this evening, and like, what like what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so I, I think for uh, the St. Bonaventure game again, you see the the lines nine and a half, which uh, is is not too far off what it was for Notre Dame last night. We're also watching Notre Dame play Oklahoma State, which was of course St. Bonaventure's opponent yesterday, and that's a very close game. So I still think the point remains that St. Bonaventure is still a similar caliber team to what Notre Dame was. St. Bonaventure has uh, one really bad loss from the year already. They lost to Canisius uh, earlier this year. Uh, so I, I still think that Auburn should feel, feel very uh, confident about this game. Does it become a 20 to 25 point game again? I wouldn't go there. Uh, but I do think this is a game that at the very minimum Auburn should not have to sweat out for the full 40 minutes. Whether that becomes a 10, 15 point game, I don't know. Uh, but I, I think that when you look at St. Bonaventure, they've not been scoring a lot of points yeah. this year. So I, I think Auburn's got a, a really good shot to control the game tonight. Yeah, and kind of something that 
I thought of when I was watching the game last night is why have we not gotten more from a Denver Jones? Why has he been so quiet? Yeah, you know, I think that he's uh, he's trying to find his way into this offense a little bit. I think that he's uh, he's a guy that you know Bruce Pearl talked about how uh, his game from from the previous uh, from last year and previous years is going to look a little bit different. They've kind of stretching him out on the court a little bit more and, and getting him. So I think he's still trying to fit his role there. I think he's trying to fit into uh, th- this new style that they've got him playing uh, at Auburn. And um, I had kind of a different question. So how so how do you see the coaching tenure of uh, Deion Sanders going? Like, do you think they're going to eventually get to the point where they're winning what's left of the Pac-12? Or how how do you think that's going to go? Yeah, I think that ultimately they're going to find a little bit more success than this year as they they transition in the Big 12 next year because uh, when you look at the Big 12, they will not have, obviously, Oklahoma or Texas. It'll be a lot of programs that have been – uh, you know, or back into the top 25 or, or bowl type of programs, but there's definitely not a bunch of behemoths in what's going to become the Big 12 next year. So I do think they can find a little bit more success. However, I still don't think overall it's going to be raging success because I don't like uh, that it's all portal guys. I, I still think that you have to build – with a, a core group of guys in the recruiting class out of high school. And if you look at Colorado right now, they are still in the 60s in high school recruiting for the 2024 yeah. class. So I don't think that's the way to build a constant winner. I do think it's possible you get the right mix of guys. You get a weaker Big 12. You could have one big season, or you could at least uh, raise your floor a little bit. But I don't think the way they're building it right now would be conducive to constant success. Yeah, if I was Deion Sanders, I would be going hard after the Texas A&M job because, like, Carl Lorado kind of seems like it's a dead end. I I certainly would if I was Deion Sanders too. I just I I don't think Texas A&M is going to be overly impressed by by the year that Sanders has had. Uh, but but yeah, no, I think A&M's clearly a better job than Colorado. And and to be honest, I was still a little surprised he picked that one. Uh, I don't know if he had any knowledge that they might be bolt into the Big 12 and making things a little bit easier or not. But uh, Colorado is is not usually not, – not in this climate. I know it does have history back in the 80s and 90s. But it is – in this current climate, it is a little bit tougher of a sell for recruits. And, again, I think that's why you're seeing them be in the 60s right now. Uh, and, again, it, it is – it's not impossible. They they've had some good teams, but again, I I, I think there are way better jobs. And yeah, if I'm Dion, yeah, absolutely, you're interested in A and M, but I just don't think A and M's interested in him. Okay, um, I have one last question. So, do you think his son's going to be back um, next season, or will he go to the NFL? That's a good question because I think at the beginning of the year, uh, as they got their first couple wins and all the hype was around it, I think that you heard them say basically, "Oh no, he's he's going to be." Uh, you know, he's going to be second to no one. And so if he's not going to be the number one pick, he's going to come back and, uh, and then he's, uh, he'll go in the draft whenever he's able to be the number one QB. And I think they've kind of realized that, yes, this class is really good, but also Shadour, I don't think he's necessarily going to be the number one QB in any class. So uh, I think it's way more up in the air now whether he, he leaves or comes back. I think he probably should come back. Uh, I think that this class still – uh, kind of necessitates that there are five to six to seven 
first round caliber guys and now maybe maybe Shador wants to go ahead and be a part of that mix and, and see if he can test well and, and beat out a couple of those the, the Bo Nix type of guys but uh, I I think it's very 50-50 and I know that Dion should probably pivot to wanting him back because I'll also tell you they miss a bowl game this year with Shador uh, yeah, you can say you're going to develop the guys you currently have and, and get more good portal guys, but then you lose yeah. a, a really good college quarterback, so that's going to set you back next year. So I think I think they're still going to lean towards trying to get him to come back, but uh, I think he's now realizing that he's not not the number one QB prospect that that they maybe think he was. All right, um, guys, uh, thanks uh, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate a- it. Absolutely, Sam, and feel free to call back anytime. That is. Uh, Sam from Pell City joining us there on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Again, appreciate Sam for calling in right there. We're going to go ahead and take one more timeout here in this 4 o'clock hour. Back to wrap up the hour right after this. Join our conversation. Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back to Sports Call on this Friday, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here. About four or five minutes left in the hour here. And coming up in the five o'clock hour, we will have uh, really a breakdown of all the big games going on in the sport as well as a couple more of your phone calls here. Uh, but before, again, the hour expires and before we do anything else, want to go ahead and reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The Heisman hopeful added to his resume in a big game against Florida on Saturday as he completed 17 of his 26 pass attempts for 372 yards and three touchdowns while running 12 times for 234 yards and two more scores in LSU's 52-35 win over Florida. The 600-yard five-touchdown performance marked college football history as Daniels became the first-ever player in FBS to throw for at least 350 yards and rush for at least 200 yards in the same game. He also became the first player in FBS history to throw for over 12,000 yards and rushed for 3,000 yards in the same season. Jane Daniels is Sports Call's Player of the Week. So again, as we were talking a little bit about in that Heisman segment um, earlier in the hour, uh, Jaden Daniels putting up impressive numbers to say the least as he's continued to to dominate. Again, uh, they have not much of a defense there uh, with, with LSU in the Bayou, but uh, Daniels has been impressive, and again, he wins this week's Sports Call Player of the Week after, again, a, a record-setting performance. You had to think of where LSU would be this year without Jaden Daniels. I mean, if you wanted to go value argument, it's a different kind of value. We we look at value in terms of teams in the top five and ten, and they're great quarterbacks, but 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at wins added, uh, I think he's added probably three to four wins. I mean, they, that could be a five and seven, six and sixteen without yeah. him. Yeah, that is it. It is just, it. It is uh, a, a phenomenal feat that he continues to break so many records and continues to to play with a high level. And it, it's you know, you looked at it, and he's he's a guy that you know when he first came from Arizona State to LSU, everybody was everybody was like, I don't know how that's going to work out. He's going to be fine. Like I don't know how it's going to work out. And then last year, you saw him. You know, you saw him perform and you said all right this is good he's he's you know he's a decent quarterback this year he's just exploded he he's gone out there and he's just he's kicked it into another gear uh like we mentioned he's a top three guy really top two guy if you're you know he's tied in odds with michael Penix jr right now for a heisman uh so a top two guy for the heisman uh odds right now and uh, that's his performance against Florida. Uh, you know, Florida was is, is a team that you know is, is not great. They had their moment against Tennessee, but the rest of the year has not been great. Um, they hung around in that game for a little bit. They they hung around with LSU for a little bit, and Jaden Daniels was the X factor there. He 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 was the guy that uh, that made that game not a football game anymore. By the end of it, it was uh, LSU won that one fairly decisively, but uh, continues to just to, to put up uh, un. Uh, video game numbers is, is what you you have to say. Is he continues to put up video game numbers uh, down there in crawfish country? Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, also, what's funny too about life in the SEC is that's going to be next year. That's a this is a talking point for next year. But I'm going to pull a Brooks right here because last year Brooks, you told me that Sam Pittman was going to end up on the hot seat this mm. this following year, and he yeah. did, and he has. And he's holding on by a thread or by a piece of bacon. <laughs> and now I'm going to tell you this: they're going to have to replace Jaden Daniels next year at LSU. And uh, watch out if if that defense is still bad like that next year in year three, you might have an obvious progression or excuse me, an obvious regression uh, for LSU over three years. And I'm just going to tell you that if LSU, after going eight and four, nine and three this year, goes like seven and five next year, I'm just going to tell you. It may not be the end of the line. It, it probably won't be in three years, but be one. It'll be one year away from from Brian Kelly, uh, maybe having a, a trip out of town. So, uh, and and LSU will not sit there and let Brian Kelly do what he did at Notre Dame. Notre Dame was there, there was yeah. a couple years where Notre Dame was kind of lean with him, and they said, "All right, you know, we trust you. We trust you, LSU." When you're in the same yeah. conferences as Alabama and Georgia. And you're trying to make a playoff, and you know Ole Miss. As if Lane Kiffin stays at Ole Miss, you know, and and whoever gets hired at Texas A&M, Q Free starts putting things together here at Auburn. They're not going to sit around and let Kelly go. You know, three and whatever for right. a couple no, years. Yeah, no, you're right. There was a year I think in South Bend where they just flat out missed a bowl game, went like four and eight or five and seven. And if you're at LSU and you're multiple years into it and you've not won a title or anything, if you take a trip to the toilet, they're going to go ahead and flush you. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Uh, that, that is something to look out for. But, again, Jaden Daniels is this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. We are out of time here in the 4 o'clock hour. When we return, we'll go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line to open up our number three. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday. And we open up hour number three by going back to the orthopedic clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for my phone call as always. Uh, it is Friday. We made it. Yes, sir. We did make it. And so did our team last night. I was wondering, gee, my knee, is that sports line? You know, pick of five points could it be a reality? Uh, thankfully, they uh, decided to come out their hair on fire uh, in the second half, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was six at half, so, I mean, it was in that range early. But Auburn really, with the decisive second half, they continued to play consistent, good offense. And then, again, stiffened a little bit in the paint defensively, and Notre Dame couldn't make a thing from the perimeter. And I just read this from uh, Jason Caldwell's 247 Sports. Uh, Auburn has scored at least 80 points in three straight games now to open the season for the first time since when? The 2018-19 Final Four team. Okay. Which they did it four times to begin the year. Uh, so uh, if they do it tonight, they'll tie that record then. Yes, and we certainly hope that they uh, they, they match the postseason accomplishments of that team as well. All right. I need for you guys to let me know, educate me about St. Bonaventure. I've read some few things about them. Apparently they have a six foot ten guy that's uh, really good. Uh, says here for Ken Palm that uh, St. Bonaventure's roster is the most experienced in Division One college basketball. Did not know that. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely an interesting part of it for sure. But but still, this team, I mean, uh, they so they beat Oklahoma State obviously by a, a bucket yesterday. We're watching Notre Dame and Oklahoma State play a very close game in Brooklyn right now. So I still think this is the very similar caliber of team to. What Auburn just faced, they've been playing slightly lower scoring games, uh, haven't scored below 73, uh, or haven't scored more than 73, haven't scored below 66, uh, and then allowing around the same amount of points too. They still have that really bad loss to Canisius, though, uh, early in the season. So they've been pretty balanced scoring. they got five guys in double figures. Uh, however, no one necessarily standing out the way that Notre Dame had a couple players stand out coming into last night's game. So I, I still just think for Auburn, this is a similar conversation to yesterday, maybe a little bit uh, more weary of St. Bonaventure. But I, I still think this is a game that Auburn should expect to win and then also need, should probably feel good enough to not have to win it at the very end. Not saying it can't be eight, ten points, somewhere in there, but something that should not necessarily come down to the last 30 or 60 seconds of the game. Yeah, I was struck by the line, uh, Ryan, uh, from Vegas Insider. Uh, last night we were a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. This line is 
substantially lower, 10.5-point favor. I said, huh, what does Vegas think about this game? Well, well, no, Vegas had a 14.5-point line for the Notre Dame game. I think 24 was like oh, it was 14, the, okay. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I was thinking of uh, the, the game tomorrow, Sa- football game. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, it was, you know, it's about a five, four or five-point difference, uh, depending on where you look for between these two games. So, again, a little bit of respect for St. Bonaventure for winning their game against Oklahoma State. But, again, I still think ultimately – I think it's still the same type of mindset if you're Auburn that you're really expecting to win this game. You need to play well. You, you need to try to duplicate last night's performance. But you are the better team, uh, and and you've got an opportunity to to beat them by by a decent amount or at least a decent number to to not have to feel uh, an incredible amount of game pressure late. Um, I did have concerns. I still do about our second chance points, guys. They were beating us for for a while there. Uh, in fact, they end up still uh, having three more second-chance points. Um, hopefully that can get corrected. Yeah, and I know you noted that St. Bonaventure's got a pretty uh, pretty good big at, at 6'10". Notre Dame also had a couple players around 6'10". And, and certainly for when, when you look at a game that was such a blowout and you do look at Auburn shooting 20% better than Notre Dame for it to be even uh, or on rebounding, uh, overall, because of those 14 offensive rebounds for Notre Dame, that is, that is certainly something of note. However, again, I would still say that it would be something like that plus one or two other things in order for Auburn to be in trouble tonight. I, I don't think any one particular thing would be enough. I, again, I think that's the margin that Auburn's lo- working with here. Again, it's not impossible if you couple poor rebounding with a poor shooting night or poor rebounding uh, with with maybe more fouling, as we saw in the first two games, then you would have uh, an issue. But as long as Auburn can keep it pretty even there, I, I still think they would be okay. Well, I want to ask you guys, I'll tell you, uh, the, the guys that I really, really was really pleasantly surprised with and, and really impressed by uh, was, of course, Aiden Holloway, Janai Broom, Jalen Williams, Chris Moore, and Trey Donaldson. I was really, though, uh, taken aback by the lack of free performance. Maybe I'm being overly... Uh, Maybe critical of Denver Jones because all I've been reading during the preseason is that he was an unbelievable three-point shooter, but he went over two. Yeah, again, that, that's going to happen. Uh, I mean, that, that's one game. Not every single player will play well, even in, in a good performance. And I know he's except Raiden Holloway. Uh, well, I, I'm sure he'll have a game that will disappoint people at some point this year. I mean, that, that's that's four or five three pointers, Ryan. Right, I understand. He's. I promise you, I, I at some point this year he will not have a good game. Uh, that that's the nature of basketball. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think with Denver Jones, he he is off to a slower start. I'm not writing him off in three games. But, uh, you know, this would be a nice bounce-back opportunity for him tonight. And, uh, and yeah, you're right about the expectations for him to be one of the, the primary scorers for Auburn. All right, moving on real quickly. Uh, the game tomorrow, uh, any of you gentlemen going to it? Uh, yeah, we're all going to uh, Me, Brooks, and Brant. And, uh, and Cam will be on the field videoing. Okay, you're going as a professional uh, yes. banner? or yeah. All, all okay. professional, yep. Well, uh I know you guys are giving tickets to it, and then I saw on AL.com the tickets are going for seven bucks for seven dollars. Is it really that low? Uh, the the game before Thanksgiving always is. The students start to leave. It's not a big opponent. It, everyone knows what the Iron Bowl means. Uh, even if it's Senior Day and it's the last one, usually this type of game does not. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure they sold out or got very close to it, but they will not have eighty eight thousand there tomorrow. No. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on, guys. You know, about our quarterback situation, uh, I was struck uh, the week before the uh, 
Arkansas game, all I was reading from Jason Caldwell, uh, from Nathan King, was that we could pretty much be dismissed, dismissive of seeing uh, a Robbie Ashford is going to be Holden Gurner. That didn't happen. Uh, and I said, wow. So, uh, guys, did I miss something? Or were you surprised, too? Because that's all I kept. In fact, I even said to you guys that Jason Caldwell said, expect uh, Holden Gurner to be the backup. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I guess they missed it on that one. Uh, there was only one or two drives left in the game at that point. They, they did play Peyton Thorne maybe a little bit longer than they could have. This is a different week for uh, for for Auburn to test that theory, I, and we actually talked about that a little bit earlier in the show. I think all, all of our preferences are to see a little bit of holding Gurner. Not that it's going to mean some big thing. If he goes seven of nine, great. I'm not going to buy immense stock. If he goes four of nine, I, you know, whatever. But I, I think that. Uh, if Auburn's able to do what they want to do, get to a nice lead, be able to pull starters in the third quarter at some point, uh, then then I, my preference would be to see Gurner. I, I, I at this point I have no no clear thought on, on what they will actually do, but again my preference would be to see some Gurner. Okay, um, what about Mr. Thorne, guys? Do you have any sense of whether he'll return next year or not? Not at this moment. I think that Iron Bowl game, we just know how important it is for the whole entire state. I, I think that will have something to do with it. I, I kind of think he'll be back either way. I, I think we're more so talking about it, it. does he come into it as a clear front runner for the job? Does he have work to do? Does Auburn look really hard at the portal again? Uh, I, I think those are the questions, but I, I think Thorne will be back. I think it's far more likely that Ashford might go back to the portal uh, than than Thorn. I mean, Thorn would again, he'd only have one year of eligibility, and he's certainly not going to be drafted in the NFL. Uh, so I, I I think Thorn will probably be back. I'm not going to put anything uh, past him, but but I think we're really talking about what his status is as the starter or not the starter going into the off season. Okay, and finally, for those of you who have nothing else to do early in the morning, uh, come Sunday. I don't know what time it is. I'm sure it's going to be very early for us. Uh, Australia will play. India for the World Cup Cricket Championship game. Yeah, I have no idea who to pick in that one, I'll just be honest. Yeah, and I'll be a nail by. And, of course, they, they score wickets, apparently. Yes. Um, but uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Do you happen to know if it's being televised You know, on any of our uh, sports channels? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I I vaguely have a memory a long time ago. I have certainly have seen highlights on SportsCenter. I do not know if that means there's any rights there for ESPN late in that. I'm never awake to know, uh, <laughs> honestly, even, even as late as I usually am awake. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I really do not know. The official okay. broadcaster, Steve, in the U.S. is something called Willow TV <laughs> as, well really? as, as well as ESPN Plus. Okay. Okay, I get ESPN Plus. Okay. All right then. Uh, right. Did, did you streaming. see the the time that it was going to be broadcast? Uh, I do not. It, I, I it's, was, it's probably early in the morning. Way early. It, yeah. yeah, it probably is. Okay, and uh, you guys, did you think that uh, Mr. Harbaugh uh, got off scot free at the three game suspension? Uh, no, because that's not the only thing coming to him. That's just that. That's just like the the first uh, shock wave. I mean. Uh, that that's just the conference punishment. There's going to be an NCAA punishment. Yeah, uh, I just saw, and I don't know what led to, but uh, they said they were planning on going to court, but then they finally decided to drop uh, the the court case, and they came out with this agreement. He wouldn't be uh, 
supposedly on the sidelines. But I said, wow, so that's all he gets. Okay. Uh, and do we know what happened to Mr. Stallion? Is he missing in, in action somewhere? Yeah, don't have any updates on him. I'm sure when the nose validation comes, it'll be he'll never he'll never work in college football again. I I, I promise you that. Okay, hi right, guys. Hey, thank you very much for uh, taking my phone call as always. I hope you guys have a an enjoyable time uh, at the game. I'll be watching it, and I'm hoping that I won't be doing very much uh, drinking, and I'll be able to uh, actually be sober and watch the game. Yes, sir. Hopefully, it goes according to plan. All right, guys. Have a safe afternoon and a good weekend. And uh, War Eagle, and see you. Uh, talk to you on Monday. Sounds good, Steve. Hope you have a great weekend as well. War Eagle. That War is Eagle. that is retired War Dam Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Appreciate Steve for calling in right there. Uh, and yeah, again, I uh, I think that for sure this needs to be a smoother smoother outcome for Auburn. They need to be able to. Again, as I talked about earlier in the show, I don't care as much early in the season. I think the argument there is you just want to see what you got with your second and third string. But uh, certainly when you have the Iron Bowl up next, the goal is to stay away from injuries, get the stars out as soon as you can get the game in hand. So, again, it would be a little bit more important to be able to do that. Let's go right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 Next up, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you today? Doing great, guys. Man, I dang, I wasn't going to keep my streak going. I think I've called in three or four straight days. But did Steve just ask you what channel the cricket game could be found on? Yeah, Yes, he did. Yes, he did. For what reason? I don't know. What, Maybe he what? just wanted to, to learn learn and learn about the sport. If Steve does not know what channel it on is on, there's nobody in this country that knows what channel it's on. I guarantee <laughs> you, because nobody else knew there was a game being played. Oh my goodness! Hey, <laughs> and have you ever heard the phrase? There's a that's a sticky wicket. Ah, uh, not. I don't think so. You've never heard of that. I've gotten myself into a bit of a sticky wicket. I, I can't say that yeah, I have. I don't think either of us have. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I don't know where I've heard it, but dang, I've heard it. I've actually said it myself. Man, I guess I'm – but I I knew it was a wicket. I knew what it was just because I – whenever I heard that, I go, what in the world is a wicket? And dang, of course, I thought it was something to do with lacrosse, mm. right, which – Steve, could you give me a lacrosse update? See what the dang National Lacrosse Federation when their game's coming on tomorrow morning. Dang, I'm tired, man. I just—it's Friday. I was just in a mood. I just figured I'd give you a call. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's perfectly fine. Yeah. All right, I will talk to you all on Monday after these games are over. Okay. Sounds good, Jeff. Appreciate the phone call as always. Have a great weekend, sir. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. If anybody was wondering, it will be on at 2.30 a.m. 2.30? Yeah, 2.30 you know, a.m. As late as I stay up, and I do stay up late, that is usually the cutoff. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm going to break the news. I'm not going to extend the cutoff for that either. Nope. So, but more power to those that, that brave the, the late night. Uh, to watch uh, to watch some cricket. We're going to take our first time out here of the 5 o'clock hour when we come back, and we'll go through the big games coming up this weekend in college football, one big one in the Southeastern Conference between Georgia and Tennessee, and some Pac-12 games to get into of note, including one big one in Corvallis 
uh, which does have playoff implications. We'll tell you about that and more next. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday. Again, coming up in about 40 minutes, Auburn and St. Bonaventure. That directly follows Notre Dame and Oklahoma State at the Legends Classic in Brooklyn. That game has gone down to the wire. That's under a minute left in a one-point game. So, again, we're talking about three teams in Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, and St. Bonaventure that all kind of feel around the same caliber. So, again, still expecting good things from Auburn basketball tonight. Let's talk well, some – I was going to oh, say, this ahead. also means that anybody that's uh, you know trying to time it out, it sh- Auburn should start right around 6 o'clock. It right. should be a, an on-time start. Unless dun, dun. there's overtime. Dun, dun, dun. That's the dreaded word when yeah. you're getting <laughs> your game two. So we'll let you know if that goes to overtime. Otherwise, if you don't hear from us, it did not, and 6 o'clock will be the scheduled time. But on to college football games this week. There are a couple I do want to hit on in a second after we get through some ranked games that feel like potential upsets uh, of of non-top 25 teams beating and playing host to top 25 teams, and I'm mainly looking at the ACC. Uh, that North Alabama-Florida State game, is that what you're looking at? <sighs> no, and short and long, definitely not. <laughs> You don't have faith in our, in our former uh, former host uh, co-host on the show, Deshaun Davis, to get that defense up. I have the utmost faith, in general, of Deshaun Davis and the Auburn guys on that staff creating a successful program. However, North <laughs> Alabama is still a very long way away from Florida State and will not be very competitive in that game. But the top twenty-five action this week, we'll start with the SEC game. It lost a little bit of luster. Tennessee could have uh, beaten Missouri and been not of any consequence to Georgia. Still couldn't have won the East once Georgia beat Ole Miss. Uh, but could have been number 11, 12, 10, somewhere that in the country. And been a huge matchup. Tennessee didn't drop as much as you would have thought after getting beat pretty bad by Missouri. They're still number 18 in the country, so this is a top 20 game. Georgia favored by 10. And, Brooks, if you'll recall, the beginning of the year, I had a half-bold prediction. I said that if Tennessee came into this game with one conference loss or fewer, they were going to win this game, and that would be Georgia's first loss. Tennessee has more than one conference loss. Therefore, I'm still taking Georgia on the road. Yeah, you know, it. it you're, you're, you know, the, 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 the analyst inside of you says take Georgia – all the way, and you know, you look at what they they've done in their 
their big matchups this year. You look at that uh, Ole Miss game uh, this past weekend came out and, uh, and and ended up dominating that game. You get to that, look at that Kentucky game uh, came out and dominated in that game. Um, Tennessee, you know, they they haven't looked the same really since Hendon Hooker went out last year, but they really haven't looked the same since um, uh, since they lost that Florida game. They, they just kind of took a lot of wind, wind out of their sails. Uh, they, they had Alabama on the ropes in the first half in that, in that game a few weeks ago in Tuscaloosa, and then uh, Jalen Milrow kind of put the, the tide on the back, on his back and carried them, uh, and Tennessee didn't score a second-half point. The, the Alabama defense is also uh, uh, good credit to that. They didn't allow a point in the second half uh, for, for Tennessee. And so, you know, it, Tennessee's a team that, I don't know, like it, it's just gone, you know, it, it hasn't gone terribly wrong, but it, it, for what they were expecting to, you know, potentially be here this year, it, it has gone very wrong. Um, that dismantling by Missouri last week uh, kind of was the, the icing on top of the cake for, for their uh, their season right now. Uh, and it's, you know, the, Missouri's a, a really good football program. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz has turned that program around. But Tennessee, you know, you, you look at this game, and if you want to make the argument, you could say, you know, the, the game's lost kind of its luster, maybe – you know, Georgia is like, oh, we can put it in cruise control here these last couple of weeks before we hit Alabama in that SEC title game because you've got Tennessee this week and you've got the Georgia Tech game next week. Um, but I just don't know if, you know, I, I think Georgia is uh, and Kirby Smart are going to want to want to come out and make a statement here. And, and you know, even though Tennessee's still ranked, uh, and they're it's still a top 20 team, I think uh, I think they're, the Georgia's going to want to come out and, and make a statement in this game and uh, and and say, hey, you know, we're not going to let this Tennessee team catch us off guard, and we're we're going to come out and, and get a big decisive win here. Look, Georgia's only played in one comparable environment this year, and that is in Jordan Hare Stadium uh, in the first half of the season. Uh, with all due respect to Vandy, uh, I we've been there. It's it's not the the same thing. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the, the, the Florida game's a neutral game. Uh, Georgia will go to Georgia Tech, where they will probably still have more Georgia fans there, or at least as many. Uh, so, so this is a real environment. Again, that's why I was thinking before the season, you know, if you want to call your shot, that might, be, uh, that might be the game to do it in. Because if you get a riled-up Tennessee crowd, we saw what they were able to do last year, uh, and, and we know that – uh, that place can get hopping. And, and look, Heupel's offenses are still really good. Uh, and I can't ignore – I'm sorry, I can't ignore this any longer. <laughs> We're reacting in the studio. Folks, there Auburn, is overtime. Auburn won't start on time. Yeah, Auburn will not start at 6. If you're driving around, like, got to get home, got to get home. They're going to start at 6. They will not. Uh, there is overtime in Brooklyn. It's got to be about 25 to 30 minutes, probably more like 30 minutes after the conclusion of this game, and they just made one out to the foul line. Oklahoma <laughs> State did to force overtime. Uh, Notre Dame did not make their mid-range jumper, and so that is yet to start overtime. It's a five-minute period, so again, that will not start uh, at 6 o'clock. Uh, so if you're rushing home, don't. Uh, be safe, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you've got an extra 15 minutes to play with. So uh, anyway, uh, I just think that when Georgia – when they want it, they get it. And and that's just kind of been their MO the last two years. There's if you just put in a vacuum some of the weaker opponents they played, you can see a Georgia team that feels beatable. I mean, if you just take in a vacuum some of their early stuff against South Carolina, giving up twenty one to UAB, 
you know, the Auburn game was close at a time where Auburn was not playing its best football. If you take those games in a vacuum, you say, oh, this Georgia team's beatable. However, if you take Georgia beating Kentucky by a million, you take Georgia winning the Florida game by the start of the third quarter, you take Georgia dismantling a top 10 team in Ole Miss, whether they are now or not. So they were number nine through eight games, nine games of the year. If you take all that, you say, oh, this, there's not a thing wrong in the world with this Georgia team. So I, I think that Tennessee will have its moments. I think that at home they will have a sequence or two where they will score. They will score in seven or eight plays like, uh-oh. But ultimately they're not going to do it for 60 minutes. And I think that Georgia's offense will be very hard for Tennessee to stop. I thought that was a demoralizing week last week for Tennessee. They only scored seven points. So, again, I, th- I think they'll have some offense. But I think I think that Georgia will win. I don't necessarily – they just destroy them the way they have destroyed other teams. But, again, I, I don't think Georgia's in serious trouble. The only way Georgia gets in serious trouble is if they don't respect Tennessee, as you alluded to. Uh, because, again, the, the more they respect the team, the better they played, honestly. So as long as they respect Tennessee and respect the environment they're playing in, uh, a tough road environment, then then they're going to be okay. Uh, and, and, again, they have already locked up the SEC East. So if you go disaster scenario for Georgia – I, I still think they control their destiny even with a loss for the playoff because I think they beat Bama. They'd still get in. So uh, this this lost a lot of luster for what's on the line, but I, I think Georgia will still be fine in this game. You look around the country again, there's some interesting stuff going on in the Pac-12 this week, which has been said more often than usual. The big one is number five, Washington, going to Corvallis to play number 11, Oregon State. Oregon State is favored. By the way, I don't know if people know that. Oregon State is favored by a point, and that's not a small thing. This is the most important game in the country this week because Washington is one of the select few that kind of feel like they control their own destiny because while they are five, someone has to lose Ohio State-Michigan. And I'm sorry, I just don't buy that that one-loss loser that does not go to the Big Ten Championship game is going to be in over undefeated Washington. I'm sorry I don't buy that for a second. And I talked at long on Wednesday about how I still feel that kind of team should, under a normal good playoff format, should not be eliminated. I don't think one loss to your arch rival in a 12-game season should disqualify you from competing for a national title. That's why I'm very excited about a 12-team playoff. In a certain scenario, it would be a one loss on the road, too. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, it could check all the boxes in terms of the, le- the least hurtful loss or, or, or least revealing loss. Uh, and, and so that aside, in this four-team format, I don't think there's a good argument for that team over Washington. Maybe not even a great argument for it over Oregon if Oregon beats an undefeated Washington in the Pac-12 title game. But what could start to go awry here if you're the Pac-12 and you're a conference that has felt doomed for years and years and has had immense difficulty getting to the playoffs. And is physically doomed this and, year. And is actually doomed now. Uh what is scary to you is the thought that Oregon State does pull this off because then you certainly worry about what would happen if Washington won the Pac-12 title and then beat Oregon again. And then you would worry about jumping scenarios for Alabama if they beat Georgia and you're talking about Oregon avenging a one loss against Washington, but then Washington does have the loss. You just – it gets more uncomfortable. Lord forbid Oregon State's got Oregon left too. I mean, Oregon State, the Beavers can gnaw their way through this conference and really destroy it and, and give it one last death blow for making the playoff. But 
how do you see it playing out, man? Again, the, the line's as close as you can get. It's a one-point game, and it is in Corvallis. Uh, not a lot of defense, uh, okay. potentially. Uh, the over-under is set at 62 right now. Uh, and so it is – well, 62 and a half. Uh, let, me, let me get technical here. Uh, but so – you know, I think you you've seen Washington. You know, we, we saw them. I think they peak their peak so far this year was that Oregon game at home, and it was you know an impressive game uh, for them. After that, you know, they had that kind of a clunky game against Arizona State, where they only scored 15 points, uh, and that was a home game. Then you were tested on the road at Stanford, uh, only beat them by nine, uh, and then you had two other uh, big time you know big time opponents, uh, USC. You beat won that game by ten, and then uh, Utah. You you won that game thirty five to twenty eight, and so you're you're sitting here, uh, two games left. You've got a a Washington or an Oregon State team who is a, a top ten team right now, and then you've got a Washington State team uh, coming up next week in your rivalry matchup. That you know they were a team that you looked at the beginning of the year as they were ranked two at one point. Uh, so they're not a they're not a pushover team either. You know. I could there there are several scenarios that I see Oregon State coming out on top here because it it's you know you you get some of those night games up at uh, uh, Racer Stadium you got the the turnover chainsaw bellowing on the Oregon State sideline it's uh <laughs> it can get it, it can get a it, if if you get a little you know a little bit about that mist settle in up there it, it can get a little little crazy uh, in in Corvallis uh, I think right now I, I would I would lean toward uh, Washington. I guess technically pulling the upset because they're not favored, but it wouldn't feel like an upset. But I would not be shocked if we, you know, if, if you you uh, settle in uh, Saturday night, watch this game, and Oregon State uh, DJ Uyunglele comes out and says, "This is this is my time to shine on national TV." What a crowning achievement that would be for him because he was kind of left for dead there at Clemson, and I certainly didn't regard him highly, but. I mean, he has played pretty well uh, for mm. Oregon State. They have thrown, as you mentioned, that I kind of looked at you for just a half second high scoring game because I thought about what Oregon State was last year. Mm. And then I thought, no, they're kind of a different team this year. They are involved in more high scoring games. They've had some good defensive games, but they have added more offense to it this year. And so, yeah, you know, look, I think that this is, this is fascinating because. I think that I really think that Penix has been a little bit less than what he's capable of ever since that Oregon game. I feel like I bring it up every week. He's very good there, and then since then, a little more leakage here and there for that team. That's a nervous game for them. That that's going to be really tough. You know, I'm not as bullish on Washington State. They have been terrible since they did get ranked. I think they I think they're four and six now. I think they've lost six straight. Uh, might want to fact check me on that, but I, I, they're no better than five and five uh, after being four and zero. Oh. And so I'm not worried about them for that one, other than just for the sake of a rivalry game. But yeah, this one's testy. They I, are four and six. They are four and six. So they've lost six in a row, and they've got Colorado this weekend. So one of those teams will officially not be going to bowl after this. It's the no bowl for you game. Mm. Uh, but I, 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 I'm worried about Washington this one. I am. For the sake of I want the scenario of seven or eight great teams to still be in it conference title week, I want them to win, and I'm going to pick them to win by a field goal. But, man, oh, man, it, 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 it is going to be so Pac-12 
if they end up not getting a team when I think both Washington and Oregon are truly really good football teams. And I know the the, the uh, he's uh, a love of the school, so it, it's it makes sense that his name's not circulated a little bit. Um, but Jonathan Smith, the head coach at Oregon State, it it you know he didn't have the best of starts at, at for the Beavers. Went two and ten, five and seven, two and five in that COVID year. But since that COVID year, seven and six, ten and three, they're at eight and two right now. I, I'm kind of surprised they haven't. His name has not been circulated a little bit more with some of the some other jobs out there. Again, I understand he's an alum of the school. He played quarterback at John at a I almost said Jonathan State at a at. <laughs> At Oregon State, but he's a guy, you know, they finished a a top 20 team last year in the rankings. They're probably going to finish a top 25 team this year. Uh, And so it's it's a guy that, you know, especially if they pull off this either this week or next week, if they pull off one of those games, I'm surprised his name hasn't been circulated a little bit more for a different job. That's fair. I mean, it's not like Oregon State's an easy job out there, uh, with with all due respect to the Beavs. I mean, I know they've had a a random stroke of brilliance with Mike Riley back there when he was coached for a long time. I remember the Rodgers twins. And uh, I still, one of the most random college football members, there was like a Thursday night uh, around 07, 08. I think Pete Carroll was still at USC. And and the the Rodgers brothers, uh, they they upended – USC in Corvallis on a weeknight and that's just one of the most random upsets I remember but it just felt like such a big deal because like Oregon State should not be beating yeah a top five or ten USC team uh and, and so Corvallis tough place to play tough little place to play so that one's going to be interesting for sure real quickly before we take our final time out there's two other ranked games uh it, it's uh it's Utah and Arizona and it's Kansas-Kansas State. What do you like out of those two games? Uh, the Utah-Arizona game, it, it's going to be interesting to, to watch. It. Again, another Pac-12 game. Uh, Arizona's favored by one in this one at home. Utah's defense continues to be one of the more dominant uh, dominant sides of the football in, in, in college football. But uh, this Arizona team uh, is really uh, – Jed Fish has really done a good job building that program up. And uh, you know, especially taking the step forward this year uh, to get them to seven and three right now, five and two in the in the conference, uh, and, and you know, get a uh, get a get to a bowl game this year and get to a top twenty ranking. Honestly, I, I think Arizona continues their their climb here. I think that they they get a win this weekend against Utah, and then that Kansas Kansas State game. Um, you know, it, it was announced earlier this week that uh, Jalen Daniels is coming back next year, which is huge for that program. But they're still, uh, you know, he's still not playing. Uh, and so Kansas State's favored by 10 right now on the road at Kansas. Um, I, I think uh, it, Will Howard, the Kansas State quarterback, has, has been a, a very, very good quarterback this year. He's been quietly a good quarterback. 2,190 passing yards, 21 touchdowns in the year, only eight interceptions uh, for, for him so far this year. I think Kansas State uh, uh, gets, a, gets a close win on the road at Kansas this weekend. And then I'll give you 30 seconds on the right. two ACC games, uh, North Carolina traveling to Clemson. Uh, I thought that would mean a lot in the scope of the ACC. It only does if Louisville loses to Miami. Uh, but but Carolina sells a backdoor shot at making the title game, but they got to get Louisville to lose. Still a what-if year for Carolina. Drake May still been really good. Had a, a weak moment or two, but for the most part still been awesome. Two inexcusable losses for to, against Virginia and Georgia Tech, especially the Virginia game at home. No business losing that. Uh, so don't won't be surprised Clemson's played better since uh, Tyler – called in 
uh, to, to Dabo's show. So it would not be shocked Clemson floored Carolina in the ACC title game last year. Uh, and then secondly, Louisville, that's an important game. Florida State would really, not just because they don't like Miami, Florida State would really like Louisville to win that game. If there's any thought to Florida State might not deserve a playoff spot because of the ACC or, or what might happen the last week of the year, they'll be greatly protected if they get to play a, a top 10 Louisville team in the ACC title game. So that's important for mm. Louisville to win. Florida State would really rather that happen. But Miami's not bad. They, they should be 7-3 and three if they like to take knees, uh, but they don't. And so you know that, that would not shock me if Miami ended up coming out uh, on the winning end there. So we'll see how that goes in the ACC this weekend. One final time out in the show today and for the week when we come back, final thoughts on Auburn, New Mexico State, maybe a little bit of Auburn St. Bonaventure as well. We'll give you what to watch for those two games coming up. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn i'm Britt bowen voice of auburn women's basketball and auburn softball you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call on this Friday, Tiger 95.9. Last five or six minutes with you for the day and for the week. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you. So, Brooks, again, let's go ahead and give our final thoughts here. Auburn, New Mexico State coming up tomorrow, about 21 hours from now. Again, I, I think more of the same from us, but uh, important to start this one strong, build the lead. And uh, and again, try to try to avoid anything catastrophic. Yeah, uh, you know, the, I think uh, like I said earlier, the the best thing here is to not let New Mexico State hang around. They got eight wins for a reason. Uh, you're clearly, if you're Auburn, you're the better team here in the in the ball game. You're favored by 25 for a reason right now. Um, you need to to uh, go out here and uh, establish uh, the, your dominance early. I think Peyton Thorne. Uh, needs to have another good day. I think Jarquez Hunter. I think you need to start feed. You need to feed him early, uh, grind it out, and, and get a get a big win. I think if uh, Pavia does not play, their starting quarterback. I think that pay, plays a uh, big into your your favor if you're Auburn uh, to continue to shut them down. But you know this Tigers team. I think you keep building on what you've done these last couple of weeks. I think you keep uh, running the football with Hunter. I think you keep letting uh, Peyton Thorne do what he's been doing these past few weeks uh, and come out there with the win. I think Auburn probably scores somewhere in the upper 30s, maybe low 40s for this one, uh, and comes out of there with a, a fairly easy win tomorrow. Yeah, I, again, I, I agree. I think that uh, they will be around, if not covering the line. I think Pavia does make a difference there. But honestly, I kind of lean towards Auburn covering no matter what. I'm thinking 
uh, something in the 41, 42 to 13 range, uh, which would put it, you know, 28, 29, 30 point game. The line's 25. So uh, I think that Auburn should handle business. Again, you consider some of the teams they played in the SEC, allowing them into the teens and 20s. They've done such a good job against really potent offenses. I mean, only 28 points for Ole Miss uh, in Jern Hare Stadium. Uh, obviously, these last few weeks holding the likes of Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Vandy all in the ten- teens. I mean, I, I just think that they should have the ability to keep New Mexico State below that, that mid-teens mark period. And then if you do that, you look at what Auburn's offense has started to do. Yes, it was not a, a huge total at Vandy. We all agree it could have been if just a couple of simple things had been executed properly or, or at least not uh, not holding penalties, that sort of stuff. So I think they're going to be fine. Something in the 40s to something in the low to mid-teens uh, and, and Auburn should be just fine. And, again, hopefully they can get to that second string early enough, preferably mid to late third quarter, uh, to give those guys uh, some breather. Again, Auburn basketball coming up in just a few minutes. The Notre Dame-Oklahoma State game should be ending in the next couple of moments. Uh, and that will mean Auburn probably 6.20, 6.25 tip time, somewhere in there against St. Bonaventure. And Brooks, again, an, an opportunity. Again, I know that we've been talking about the competition, but, again, Auburn would really value the ability to hoist a trophy here during the regular season. Yeah, it would be a, it'd be a, a good uh, a, a good accomplishment for this team. Um, you know, you, you come in early, uh, a team that can uh, – that you we've talked about their struggles on defense. I thought they did a good job last night. Uh, defensively shutting down some of their Notre Dame's top performers. You look at the St. Bonaventure team. I think your your biggest uh, obstacle is going to be their senior uh, senior guard Charles Pride. He's averaging about 14 points per game right now. If if you can get in there and you can shut him down, kind of like what you did with the with uh, Notre Dame's top guys last night, you got a real good shot to come out of uh, come out of this one with the win. Auburn's lost the only meeting between these two uh, programs, but it was back in 1967. This isn't that basketball team. This is a very new one. I think uh, you you look at Aiden Holloway to continue to have a, a big uh, performance tonight, and I'll, I'll I'll go with what I said last night. I think Janai Broom uh, has, needs to have another big performance tonight for the Tigers. Yeah, I, I think Auburn will be okay. I, I, I think that they will probably win about the line. I think I'm going to give them about a 12-point win tonight. So, again, I guess I'm picking Auburn to cover two straight games here. But uh, I, I do like their ability to score the basketball. It's been consistent thus far this year. Better signs defensively against Notre Dame last night, and I think that will continue. Final minute or two of the program for the day and for the week. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? One movie pick for you this evening, a family movie pick for you. 7 o'clock on Nickelodeon, it's Sing. Matthew McConaughey is one of the voices. Uh, I think Reese Witherspoon is also in it. Uh, Some big names are are in it, but Sing, the animated film, uh, 7 o'clock on Nickelodeon. Elsewhere around the sports world, we got a lot of basketball on tonight. Starting at, uh, was supposed to start at 6 o'clock, but uh, we are going to be delayed here. ESPN2, Auburn takes on St. Bonaventure for the championship game of the Legends Classic. You've got the Charleston Classic continuing at 6 o'clock on ESPNU with a a consolation semifinal in that one. Uh, You've also got Maryland visits Villanova at 7.30 on FS1. Uh, Then later on tonight, 8 o'clock on ESPNU. It is the Myrtle Beach Invitational Semifinal 
uh, in that one. You've got some NBA basketball tonight. Uh, the in-season tournament continues 643 exactly on ESPN. Kings visit the Spurs, follow that up by the Suns visiting the Jazz. And you got some college football on tonight, some late-night college football, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. It's South Florida visiting UTSA. And then at 9.30 on FS1 is Colorado visits Washington State. Also, Auburn women's basketball is in action tonight. They're at home hosting the Cal Golden Bears, 7 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. And that is our nightly TV guide brought to our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. And I hope you have a great weekend, sir. And uh, we will be doing something a little bit with the show next week. We'll be having Monday and Tuesday shows. We will be pre-recording something for Wednesday, so we will have a Wednesday show. No show Thursday, uh, and then Friday uh, we'll be back to having a live show. So, Brooks, we'll see you again for that, uh, I guess, that pre-record party on Monday. And, yeah. Uh, have a great weekend. See sir. you then. And that will do it for the show today. We want to appreciate Cam Barry, who was here with us earlier. And as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Barry and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.